like a, a blast through all your um previous shows again just to remember oh. what format you were and i'm like yeah that didn't happen <laughs> no they're they're really long too the episodes are all long so it's like they're, they're kind of meant to be on in the background when you're not paying all of attention but yeah i mean i use them for driving and they're like perfect for that because i'll be going down the road and then you guys will say something completely hilarious and i'm like stay on the road <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that, glad that has that effect. I, was I, wonder like, so, I wonder if someday we'll actually cause an auto accident. <laughs> I think everyone does, like, you know, because people get distracted and then that's that. I, and then you, like, buy that amulet of that person. <laughs> oh, is that the plan? Okay. <laughs> you guys are making your own. Oh, that's cool. And third. <laughs> no, that's, that's so fucked up. This that's is like not, that's not going in the episode. That's that's anti-merit is what I do. <laughs> I'd like that stricken from the record, Your Honor. Um That's like I'm not sure. That's like on the level of like getting Buddha tattoos on the bottom of your feet, you know? Like that yeah, kind of... that's, it's <laughs> about, but it's bad news. <laughs> well, are there are there weird I, that makes me wonder if there's like if there's weird like edge lord Buddhists or like that you know just kind of like how they're Satanist if there's like people who are like I'm gonna fucking I'll put tattoo Buddha on my feet I don't care oh, oh no that's in Jenks's book oh is oh, it is really it? yeah I, it's, I don't remember if it's I don't think it's Burmese it's not Thai it's it's a different region and. And yeah, there's like all these dark sorcerers who mm. get tattoos of the Buddha on their feet because like your foot is the is like the lowest part of the body. Like you should never put anything holy below it or touch it. Too. Yeah, so they're like boop, and it, it get like gets them in deeper with the the, the nasty ones. Um, mm. It's fascinating. Can you imagine how much that would hurt? Just like I yeah yeah just. I just imagine like that that soiled feeling like that you get when when you're in a place that's mm. kind of cursed or or something and having having that on you like 
oh, just this is a permanent state you're committing to? Just wow. Yeah, I don't even have tattoos. So like that level of permanency is is beyond me. So why can I ask why why not? Like, do you have like a specific reason or something? Um, I never make up my mind for long enough. Like there have been things that I've wanted for like 10 years and I've drawn them on to make sure I can live with them. And then like, you know, eventually I'm I've outgrown that and I'm like, I'm glad it's not permanently there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I have, like, I have a I have a similar problem with yeah I can't. You don't have any tattoos? No, me neither. Oh my oh, god, that's <laughs> really crazy. I didn't know that about Kurt or you. And yeah. this is like, I mean, are we like the only three? Well, my wife doesn't have any. Um, but yeah, same reason for me. It was always like I'm I'm far too impermanent. Yeah, uh, my tastes change. Like next month, I'll look back at something I wrote this month. And I'll be like, I was so young. <laughs> well, I think both of you are younger than me. So you guys are both so young. But oh, wait, how if you don't mind me asking? 78. You're 78? Yes, that, I'm you 78. Look, you, look wonderful. you look amazing for 78. <laughs> <laughs> I do try. You okay, really? well, we're we're like a year apart. Yeah, no, I know. I've seen Oh, you that's try. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. I forget that Kurt's older than me because I guess I, yeah, I, I do too. I forget I, that you're, I forget that I'm older than you too. I don't I, I always feel like we're the same age, but yeah. Well, Kurt and I have almost the same birthday. So we oh, had yeah. meant to have like a labyrinth watch along in our um you're calling it a new thing now, the sorceress ancestry group. But um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lumber was uh, not, so it didn't happen. So we're doing this instead. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't really need those mean. people. We don't. Need those people. <laughs> I love it because that's, that's like, your next four guests, dude. That's <laughs> our like, whole our whole listenership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that would be wonderful to get a. Uh, somebody mentioned that in the chat. Was it Rob talking about that? Like <clears throat> something about the. Is there a way to watch movies together? Like on a stream? Oh yeah. Or was it someone else? I, I yeah. I think that would be amazing. Like if we could have a movie night. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, because we did it with the Nigerian, I believe, one that you recommended. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, well, I actually, Kyron Armand recommended that in one of his classes. Oh. So I was like, I'm stealing this from my class. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. It was. <clears throat> what the hell is it called? I don't, oh, know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> no one will remember. If, if, if the, lost, the lost Okoroshi. That's what that was it. it, yeah. No, it was just, it was so beautiful. And. Like, I really appreciate seeing inside of another culture made for another culture. Do you know what I mean? It's not like sanitized for us. It's like, this is, you know. Right. Yeah. The, 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 local the, audience. Yeah. It's, it's always amazing because like, like American, American, like Western cinema is so like, it's all about the artifice of making it real. Mm -hmm. Like so many other cultures don't exactly give a shit about that. Or they're yeah. not like trying to. Or like they'll just have like a random conversation about anything that'll get that'll get thrown into the middle of a story, and then yeah, it it's I love watching watching movies from other cultures. It's amazing to it gives yeah, you a it, whole different insight into what it is that that they're that what film is. Yeah, it was it was great because it was I mean it was clearly scripted, but it felt like a documentary because they weren't 
you know, playing with your perception. They were just like, no, this is what it is. And it comes across like if we have to put it in Western categories, it's like surrealist kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but without trying. So it, yeah, it's just, it's a different feeling and it, it, it's hard to describe in Western terms, but everyone go watch it because it's fabulous. And that's not yeah. the movie we're talking about today. Yeah, we, we probably will do an episode on it at some point because it is a perfect, it's a really great ancestors movie. And like you're saying, they have, it's a great representation of animist thinking yes. portrayed in film because there's no uh, delineating lines between, okay, now we're going into a fantasy or a spirit zone. It's like everything is just reality. Yeah. There's, there's no need to differentiate and say, um, this mask thing is is a symbol or blah blah. It's like no, this is just exactly what's happening. Yep. Uh, and, and and the whole world, like when he when he he's in the costume, they treat him as a spirit. They oh, don't treat him as yeah, like a is. person he's in a costume. A yep. It's like yeah, you're you're actually yeah, you're actually like oh, uh, let me let me let me find out how my wife's dental work went. Hold on. Ooh. Cool. That's fine. I mean, we, we say no editing, but we can make an exception sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're waiting, let's let's show off our uh, our pretties. Oh yeah, what are we wearing? Are we <laughs> I've got, got my. This is my Leclay. So you this what? is the water. This is the everything. Oh, that one's gorgeous. And then this uh, is the spirit. Yeah, this one. I sure? love this one, but I don't. I don't wear it on its own. I tried it once, and it's too. Oh, um, it's horrible. Zappy. I don't know how to say it. it. I do need to balance first. Um, and then I have, this is a spirit and sundry thing. Oh, cool. so it's, uh, I don't know if you can see it. It's the um, peacock. Series. Oh, that's pretty. I like yeah. that. And then, you know, I'm covered in her oils and stuff, but like, <laughs> you can't really see that. I've got my uh, wind licklai. Okay. With the Buddha and the mermaid. Yeah. Um, and. Oh my gosh. Got the. Uh, that's Lucy. Uh, Lucy Porgue. Okay. The one with the uh, tiger penang in the bottom. And oh, nice. Tiger. Uh, yeah. On the back. And then the wonderful Prakam Malas that. Oh uh, yeah. That Kurt bought me. Because he's an, an angel. He is a pretty awesome dude. I gotta say. And then, you know, of course, there's several pry items on the belt. Yep. Uh, I have, like, the, the one from a John Apichet to control ghosts on my, like, hanging off my medicine bag. And that just feels so nice. Like, to, because I used to hold that anyway when I would call on spirits. Mm-hmm. But now it's, like, now there's, like, actually this orb of authority hanging from it other than oh, the nice. things that I've made. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just paid the VAT tax today, so we get our Mercury ones like tomorrow or the next day they'll come. And I'm so excited because I got um, my wife will never listen to this before she gets the box. So I got her like surprise mala beads to go with the Mercury amalgam because it uh, it's uh, like you cleanse it either with Namadasa or you put it in the moonlight on in, in the full moon and it cleanses it. Oh, nice. But these are like the ones that pull negative things out of your body and like remove attachments constantly. And he was like, it'll feel weird for a while when you put it on. Like it'll feel maybe even uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. You might want to like take it off and try it again. But I, God, I just love the idea of like 
that feeling of when toxins are being pulled from you or things are being expelled like I crave it and it's just like it just the idea of having that all the time feels so good to me in my head it's like <laughs> I love that I don't enjoy that feeling but like once it's done you're like oh such a relief yeah um yeah the the shaky weird feeling as it's happening I'm like oh but different tolerances <laughs> yeah I'm sure it's you know in my chart why I enjoy those intense looking, like <laughs> aren't you like everything Scorpio I mean <laughs> I, well some pretty yeah like Saturn and Mercury and Venus and Pluto so yeah there's a lot. a lot and raised by Scorpio there you go that makes a big difference it's uh all these like childhood patternings of someone who was uh at the time like a more tormented version of a Scorpio mm. um it really paves the way like if you already have <laughs> certain tendencies it's yeah it's just like starting out life living in a in a pit and then having to crawl out like behaviorally speaking yeah that sounds really rough I'm glad you <laughs> crawled out though <laughs> hanging out with us and like oh we got Kurt back yay yay hey sorry yeah um, no worries how's your wife doing uh well so um they fitted her for uh the crown for two of her teeth so okay because they were like the price is basically the same so right she's gonna get a she's gonna get a crown for but so that's three root canals that she's had in man uh, six weeks oh yeah yeah lord and this is it's fucking and, it, and it's like this lands on top of like trying to figure out how to move uh yeah where, where are we going to get the money to pay for the security deposit if we find a place like it's all stupid that's why i was like mercury retrograde is horrible at the moment oh, man wow well, you should just like you know, if there's any kind of way to get a payment plan on that stuff, then they don't do that. Oh, no, they're like, fuck you pay us all right now. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, they can don't you just uh, like dine and dash. And I mean, you could, you could, I mean, like, well, like, like the thing today, they wouldn't, they wouldn't start the work until, uh, until they oh. knew the, the money was secure. Wow. You got to dodge a dentist because my dentist will set up a payment plan. It's not generous, yeah. but it's not nothing either. Yeah, no, so they're always, they're all it's all cutthroat here. I and like, I mean, but that's kind of everything in mm. New York City. It feels like. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how people live there. I don't I, know how I I've lived here this long. It's it's just imagine. it keeps getting worse. Well, that's the thing. I used to visit like friends in Brooklyn and you know all the places, and it's like that's not New York City, but you know. The five boroughs. Well, that's where I live. I live in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. And it's like 20 years ago, it was fun. 10 years ago, I was like, this is rough, guys. Like, you know, because everything was more expensive for the same amount of stuff kind of thing. And then like, you know, after they did all the pandemic stuff, it's like, why are you still here? Why haven't you left? You know? I've been trying for two oh, years. I know you've now. been trying. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, no, we're, we're no, you, Kurt. Why the fuck are you like, still What is wrong with you? No, like, I take this very personally. God damn it. Farm somewhere. <laughs> well, I mean, we're 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 going to Burlington, Vermont. So it's okay. not quite a farm, but it's closer. <laughs> it's, it's... You're uh, yeah, you're getting out of New York though. Like is that the home of the famous coat factories? Yes. 
Oh my god! So <laughs> many code factories, uh, and and it's it's weird because like rents are the highest they've ever been, mm-hmm. and that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. I don't know, and I don't know who's paying for this. Like it, like I didn't know who was paying for it before, but I really don't know now. Yeah, I don't get. I mean, because our um, housing market in this area too is unconnected from reality. It's like people are looking for housing. The rent and buy price is really high. And yet there seem to be a lot of vacancies and it's like, mm, I, you know, it, it has that like calculated feel to it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like somebody's playing a game um, or many somebody's are playing a game, but yeah, it's like, we shouldn't, we wouldn't have a housing problem if rents weren't astronomically high yeah and then you know landlords would be getting more money because it's not astronomically high so you know you're like there seems like there's a way out of this that no one's taking i don't know um i think the way out is it's gonna have to all crash and then people yeah yeah unfortunately and people are just gonna have to it's they're gonna yeah i mean there's just no other way i think it's i don't know if you saw but i have the same Amulet. oh do you yeah we're uh peacock friends <laughs> yeah i'm actually wearing this because i'm like i you know maybe this will remediate some of this shit i didn't even think about that so well, you know i hadn't thought about that because she some people are like oh mercury retrograde i don't wear my mercury stuff and i'm like lean into it my friends like you yeah, know that's not for the faint of heart but also like <laughs> i don't know but also don't be a little bitch well you know (laughs) i was saying to kurt like there was some crazy stuff happening this summer and we just left town and had like adventures and so like i feel like the crazy got worked into my daily life that way and i missed a lot of the chaos that i was reading about in the forums i was like Mm. yeah no we're fine um like you know stuff is crazy because we're on the road and doing stuff and not you know (laughs) we weren't quite homeless but we were moving (laughs) couple of days you know so there was a you know it was a different experience I'm glad I did it but um yeah I'm like I think that's the thing when you lean into it and you make room for whatever in your life in a um thoughtful way maybe yeah yeah that's the thing I've always heard too is is if you can find some other way to for it to vent in your life you're better off because it's like it's going to happen some way somehow but I don't know. It's weird. This one, like, I normally don't ever notice retrogrades. Like, I'm like, I'm, I guess things happen, but this is just terrible. You got clobbered. I For I all those know. years you didn't get anything, you got Yeah, all... I guess it's all, it's all like, hey, fucker, what are you doing? You know, I was thinking, like, um, I've been thinking a lot about little remediation methods and stuff lately, but I was thinking, like, for Mercury retrograde, like, could you just throw away a $5 bill? Or write a letter to someone and then lose it on purpose. Oh. Miss the bus. Yeah. Like, because if, if you get like a, you know, a nine of swords or a 10 of swords or whatever, and you're reading and it's like a bad omen, they say just like take nine pins mm-hmm. and like do something with that to just expel because it's going to happen either way. It's like Rahu. Mm-hmm. It's like leaning into the eclipse and going to the person who's causing the eclipse and saying, I recognize and respect what Which yeah. is actually probably what's happening with 
elite astrologers and the Western society. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just, well, this is what happens now. So if we don't lean into it, we get swallowed. Yeah. I mean, it's worth trying. Why would you? I'm like, I'm looking at not Kurt's chart, but I'm looking at the chart and I'm like, so this is one, two, that's your third house. That's why you're moving. Mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, like on the nose for you this time. Yeah, it's madness. When we moved to Germany, we moved uh, exactly when Mercury retrograde started. And then exactly we moved back to Denmark exactly when it started two times mm -hmm. later, through two times later, I think. Interesting. Uh, oh, wow. Well, it sounded like the whole Germany experience was Mercury retrograde for you. It was it all very underworld. Yes difficult and um dark and lots of ghosts yeah a couple a couple like light a couple light cursings happened to me Perfect. in that time too yeah <laughs> can have a little curse as a treat if you're a magician yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to eat one oh. <laughs> man oh man um yeah well <sighs> How long have we been doing this? Maybe we should talk about the movie. Yeah, no, like, no, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> just let the show breathe, man. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys are the hosts. You do whatever. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. I'm I'm really glad you picked this. It was uh, it was we're doing Labyrinth, by the way, for anyone listening. Oh. And um, uh, we're uh, yeah. It was it was one of my favorite movies ever it was my absolute favorite movie for like two or three years when i was younger and that's like a long time like i was saying in the chat like when you're a kid um and i don't think i've seen it God, since my like early 20s mm. i think and um and i think because when you're a kid and you watch something over and over again and then you're like oh i know it i know that one Oh, let's watch something else i know that so it's just been stuck in this weird like oh i know that one stayed all these years mm -hmm. and I, I watched it and it was so much i didn't remember but yes. um but god yeah it was fantastic and i possibly maybe the best movie ever still like it still might be <laughs> it's really high up there i mean you know for people who don't know it was made in the 80s it's like the tech definitely has 80s written all over it. The blue screen or green screen or whatever it is. And the um, computer owl in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And it, when it flies around, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like the end of the first Star Wars movie, the original first Star Wars movie, when they're like going through the, you know, because it's like a continuation of Star Wars, actually. Um, I was thinking about that. I'm like, Star Wars doesn't really make sense unless you watch the other Jim Henson, George Lucas films of uh -huh. the era. Um, which this is one of them. So anyway. Yeah, I didn't realize this was written by a Python either. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's got all the, the wacky, like, you know, it's very British is the thing. It's like, and the only person who's really super British on screen is Bowie, of course. But like, it's a very British humored movie while being, you know, trapped in fairyland slash abducted by an owl slash, you know, However you want to spin that, it goes both ways. Now, I, do you think that this movie would have been big in the States if they'd have had a British actress as the lead? Because I do not. I think it did best um, 
spanning the Atlantic the way they did it. So there was, you know, yeah. a whiny American. <laughs> and it's, it's, she was meant to be whiny. What can you say? She's, you know, on the cusp of adulthood. Um, and then you have like the super glamorous, untouchable British other covered in sparkles. And like that is very much American um, mindset, I guess. Mm. I don't think it would have worked the other way around with an American Jareth and a Sarah from England. Yeah, no. Like no. we wouldn't we wouldn't have gotten I don't know. I mean we we would have never found someone that could have pulled off that haircut. <laughs> I I genuinely don't think this movie could have happened without Bowie, because like it wasn't just the one song, it was like several of them in there. He didn't do the score, but like there's there's a few things that it just the way that he he's so fucking sincere in his acting yes. and, and in the role that I was taken back to when I was a kid. And I remember just being so moved by his character and, and being like, like having to reconcile why he wants this child so bad. And, and like for me, <clears throat> like I had abduction experience, like dreams uh, that were like repeatedly when I was a kid. And like, so this this kind of idea of that, like it, this longing, this weird, mm -hmm. like um, forlorn desire it had for this companion. Like I saw that in there and it like kind of helped me to like, I don't know, it, it really, no one else could have pulled that off though and elicited that feeling. It's because he has this just otherworldly sincerity about everything he does. Yeah, he was like, the poster child for really committing to whatever because it's like and I was thinking about this I'm like you look at those Jareth costumes and not only do you think no American which maybe not true but no well-known American um but you also think this is probably not one of the most weird costumes he's ever worn and like truly committed to because if you look at his early work on stage he was wearing batshit crazy stuff and it it was all there you know that was part of the thing um, part of the mood, the vibe, what he was conjuring for the audience. So I was like, that was, you know, it was a good choice. And apparently the first, these are all stories I heard back when I was a huge Labyrinth fan in my late teens and early twenties and was on like the list serve and all that stuff. Um, but apparently the first idea that I think Jim Henson had was Sting, which... Uh. Sting is very good, but uh, he would like, not have. He would not for have that level that. of like glamour. Nah. It would have had to be a different kind of character. And oh, still totally. It still could have been good. But oh yeah, I mean, like, I would be interested to be in that alternate universe and see that version of it. But um, for the movie that we got, it really, it really had to be Bowie. What movie is it that Sting's a villain in? Dune. Okay. Yeah. The 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 David Lynch Dune. Yeah. yeah. That would have been that would have, he. There's there's a whimsy, a serious like this is contradictory. A serious whimsy that Bowie can do that I don't think Sting could pull off whatsoever. No, no, it would have been. It would have been more of a straight, not villain, but like it's you know it's a tempting character, a tempter. Um, Whereas Bowie has like a lightness of touch when he's like, he's teasing her, he's flirting with her, he's being attractive and dangerous. And like, I don't want to say he doesn't take himself too seriously because he's fully committed, right? But it's, um, 
it's an airy quality that I didn't get from Sting when he was doing like Dune. Yeah. It's, it's also like Bowie sinks into that sincerity and from being totally sincere, then the character, you can tell it's like the character wants to see himself as being that light. And, uh, so there's, yeah, there's, there's something about, you have to sink all the way into it to fold it back in a little bit. Yeah. Well, and he was famous for doing that, right? Like the losing yourself in a character type of thing. Um, so he had experience with it before. Um, so it, you could see the casting, like kind of clicking through the ideas and going, yeah, you know, this will really work. And once he was interested, they could tailor the script more towards what he was good at, which is like dangerous, sexy, otherworldly, what is even going on? There's a lot of what is even going on with Bowie, um, which is, you know, part of the allure of what he did. Yeah, you, you, you're left with unanswered questions, but your, um, your attention is still completely transfixed and, mm -hmm. and it becomes almost meditative. Like, you know, you don't know what's happening, but you know, you care about it. And that's, yeah, that's special. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We could go on about Bowie being awesome all day. It might just be, I mean, that's fine. It could just be the Bowie show. It's just. <laughs> How awesome is Bowie? How awesome. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about every time I saw the owl, I flashed to Venture Brothers. Did you ever watch Venture Brothers? Oh yeah. I love it. I've Brothers. only watched a couple of them, but yes. Like David Bowie is in Venture Brothers, but it's, it's not really him, but he's, he's like the leader of this, you know, henchman organ or these, you know, villain organization, but he turns into a white like hawk and <laughs> flies away. And, and it's like David Bowie's actually his, his, alter ego so no one knows he's super like it's just really funny <laughs> i love that that show is genius yeah yeah i love it um i have i have not watched enough of it but it's on my like when i have time i will watch uh, all of it doc hammer is someone i would love to sit down and talk to sometime mm. like one of the creators because he's he's very into the occult and uh like seems like the kind of person that would also be fun but, mm -hmm. but also still into the occult like yeah. <laughs> and there yeah. are too many <laughs> that's a narrow margin <laughs> yeah i was thinking about that i'm like you know because bowie was too but he also got burned by it so he was like mm -hmm. um i don't know anything about that man you're gonna have to okay if this isn't the bowie show we're gonna have to do another one where yeah I'm probably not the best Bowie expert, but like I am a fan. So yeah, in the um, like, if you listen to the album Width of a Circle, I believe um, that entire album is set up like a spell where he conjures into existence a kind of like persona and then goes through like the steps of becoming famous. And that's where Man Who Sold the World is in. Um, so that, that would be a, a good close listen if you're looking for like Bowie and a cult. So that was early on. And then yeah, um, he took far too much cocaine and freaked him out himself out, um, <laughs> you know, conjuring in everything, demons and swimming pools in LA yeah. down the street from like the Sharon Tate murders. Like, and he just, he made himself bonkers. So like, he also, I don't know how much he left it behind, but he never wanted to publicly deal with it again after he kind of cleaned himself up um until you know you get to the end of his life and clearly black star is heading back in that 
Yeah. But like yeah. from a, um, I don't want to say adult, mature. Like he's been through all that shit. He's had a normal ish for Bowie life, um, you know, wife and a kid, and he was a stay at home dad for a while. And then it's like, I can see the end in sight and it's kind of reviewing all of the stuff in a, I would say it's largely positive and that he's like, well, this is it. I'm going to make it good. Right. Yeah. Um, That's yeah, that, that album is incredible. And I've had, I've had weird synchronic syncretic experiences with it. Yeah. I can only listen to it sometimes. Like it, it's too much for normal listening for me. I think um, that like, Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I just, I think that they, uh, like in our culture, the only way that we actually get mystics who rise to the level of influence that, that is required of mystics to, to rise to is like, it's clearly not through our religious organizations, <laughs> right? It's through, I don't know what you're talking about, it's, my friend. It's, it's through art. Um, yes. So when I see that the shape of that, I immediately think of reading about Jinx talking about um, El Lingpo Pinas, like finding out that he had like this legendary monk magician that found out he had lung cancer and he smoked cigarettes and lived on cigarettes and Red Bull his whole life <clears throat> and erected more temples than like any other monk in you know recent history. And uh, he found out he had lung cancer and there was no remorse or any like no sadness or it. he just was like, okay. And he just went to his, his temple and just reviewed his life and prepared for the next phase and for the for transitioning and for the next life and trying to like set up his intentions for the next place and I see that and I'm like that's literally what David Bowie was doing yeah he this is just how it looks when you are brought up in the west in this time it's yeah. the same, but he's probably as much of an elevated soul as someone like that in a way I would there's say a, yeah go yeah. ahead oh uh, there's there's also um there's also a like black star the song i think in particular there's like a passing on like he's like it's been a while since i've listened to it but if i remember correctly there's something to effect of like kind of like i'm giving the mantle to the world now like the thing mm. i was holding on to like this is now for you all to to carry on that that, that was the sense i've gotten from it yeah um well i was gonna say we should be clear that he did he did try very hard to stay alive because you know he had a young daughter and he was very committed to that but when it was like it's not going to happen he's like all right i'm yeah. going out my yeah. way basically like, um tied a, a, a ribbon around it for us too yeah for everyone who cared about him yeah yeah now i want to listen to that song again <laughs> 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 um so back to the labyrinth yeah um you never leave it what are you talking about back to it yeah, yes <laughs> it, it always pulls you back down into a nuclear <laughs> or something um so did you guys i i was gonna say the one thing i noticed now that i'm older and i have kids is when sarah tells the story in the beginning and she's like and one night when the child was particularly cruel to his older sister and i'm i remember thinking that meant nothing to me when I was younger. And now that I've had kids and I've had my older child complain that my younger child is being mean or cruel or whatever when she was like two. And I'm like, that that's not a thing little, little kids do. 
I don't know where this is going, but that really stood out at me as like, you don't understand children <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. thinking that, right? I mean, little children, obviously, like by the time they get to kindergarten, they can be immensely unkind. But, you know, Toby as a baby is not being cruel. So I was like, oh, wow. I hadn't really noticed that before. Yeah, she, she's very, Sarah's very self-absorbed and yes. I mean, well, the whole just, movie, the whole movie is basically about her maturing to a certain degree. Yeah. And oh, like, certainly. yeah. And she's kind of, she's, she's awful more <laughs> or less to begin. <laughs> like, uh, even though, you know, I will forever love Jennifer Connelly, but um, as a character, she's, she's terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, she, she's set up to be, so she's got like divorced parents. She has a stepmother she doesn't like. Um the mother that she's clearly, because you see all the pictures in her room, it's like her and her mother that looks like her. And then her mother, who's like acting opposite David Bowie. Um, you know, so it's clearly like that other world that she desperately wants to be part of. Um, and she's just stuck in it. It's like, you know, for she's like 12 or 14 in the movie. I don't know what she officially is, but um, Jennifer Connelly was 14. Um it's like that's the room that you would expect like maybe an eight or nine year old to have mm-hmm. you know and she hasn't moved past that at the beginning um and hasn't had a date yeah well i'm like i wasn't on dates at 14 either but but i think they were trying to make that like the stepmom's like at your age you should be you know yes going or out ha- want, wanting to go out at least you know wanting and, to go out, having friends yeah i mean even if the date thing was a little weird it's like why aren't why why are you a loner and it's like she was stuck in probably the age that her parents separated like i figured that was what that room was representing is like the primary trauma that you know divorced her from reality is a bad word in our crowd but um like she wasn't maturing i guess and she wasn't moving on with her life so you know it's it's amazing how much and I don't, I don't, I don't know that films and shows do this as much anymore. But there's, there's so much heavy lifting in those first ten minutes of like setting mm-hmm. everything up, and like the thing like you're talking about with like her, her mother, like that's all like it's all just panning through her room, yeah. And and you're having you have to put this stuff together really fast. Yeah. And in fact, you you might even miss it on the first watch through. Um, but it's just like visually dense and then and there's the other aspect of like so much that then uh, appears later on the labyrinth is in her room mm-hmm. at the beginning yeah. and then in in fact and th- i didn't notice that this until that um the park that she starts out in where the owl lands and then she delivers the which is also funny she's delivering that little soliloquy to the owl who then later becomes jareth um mm-hmm. uh so in that park there's all these like obelisks mm-hmm. and then w- the first scene we're in the like right outside the labyrinth is she she walks towards the labyrinth and it's all these like derelict mm-hmm. obelisks in the in the field going up to the um yeah i don't, I don't know it is i've i don't know i've gone through phases with this movie where i'm like i love it and then i'm like it's okay there's there's it's got some problems and then i go back to loving it again because there's just so much in it uh and like and then weirdly i'm like 
did J.K. Rowling get Hogwarts for them? Miss, yeah, I know. Right. You hear that now with modern years, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, what's his face looks lot, like a lot like Dobby and the elves, like to me. Like, Hoggle. There's, yeah, that's yeah. to me. There's a lot of like, oh, uh, like the just nervous. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of trying to help you, but I don't really know what I'm doing. And um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, you know how I feel. You can infer how I feel about, you know, Hogwarts and, and that whole thing. By Yeah, that that's rough. I have lots of feelings on that, but I will spare everyone. <laughs> so, um, uh, do, do you know the amazing bit of trivia about about Hoggle? Which one? The the where where the actual puppet ended up. Oh, wasn't that like the lost luggage department somewhere? Yeah, it, it, the hoggle you can go and see in somewhere in bumfuck Alabama, where there's this like crazy, uh, this crazy like super pawn shop that gets all of the detritus that that <laughs> none of the airlines, like all the lost luggage and stuff, all end up at this place, <laughs> and they. Um, including like live snakes apparently that that's <laughs> something that's shown up in there uh but yeah they they, they someone got a suitcase open it and hoggles in it <laughs> which is like how did this happen yeah the, the unclaimed luggage like you know first of all that's obviously um what are the airlines doing with like what yeah i don't know um you know, get that shit back from the people who bought a ticket, guys. It's like a whole but, novel in there about uh, these people that take the lost luggage after it's unclaimed. Like, that's a good book waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that could go a lot of ways, too. That could be, like, a straight, like, follow the line through, and it would be fascinating. And it could be, like, this dreamlike narrative where, you know, Hoggle shows up, and now you're somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, like, uh, like a five-part thing where it's like everyone who works there and they each end up with something that takes their life in a weird direction (laughs) including an actual monkey paw no um yeah i wouldn't be shocked i definitely need i want to go to that place so bad i am very very curious about it because there was an unclaimed freight place near where i used to live like three moves ago and you'd show up there and you'd look at the stuff and you'd be like most of it was crap first of all like just awful but every once in a while you'd be like oh somebody paid a lot of money for that like whatever furniture and they're like 350 bucks take it off our lot (laughs) you're like okay that's crazy but um the ark of the covenant 95 dollars right you know how to get to narnia whatever like that kind of stuff (laughs) It was <laughs> the wardrobe from Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe. wardrobe. Yeah. Not the movie, the real one. The yeah. Please just get it out. We need to make space. Right, exactly. We got a whole shipment coming in on Tuesday. I'll make you a deal. I'll throw in these bar stools. We got um, a live tiger. Do you need a tiger? <laughs> do you, uh, did all of you, did, did both of you see this movie as kids too? Yeah. Originally. Yeah, I saw uh, it. It's school, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, before break, they would show movies for like a week because they knew there was no reason to like teach you anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was I was pretty young and I have a, a much younger brother. He's 11 years younger than me. So I used to sing like dance magic to him and stuff. <laughs> I never pushed him away because I actually liked my brother. Mm-hmm. But. 
Um, yeah. I, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> nah. Uh, well, I was going to say, uh, do you remember being terrified at parts of this? Yeah, like it gets really dark, and like you know, the fireys who are a lot of fun. Yeah, but then they freak they me the fuck off out. Your head and yeah, you know, I'm like, it was interesting because I'm watching this like post being in you know the soup community for a while, and I'm like, oh, headlessness, that's interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah I, you know, from before I was like, that is horrifying. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, they're just they're trying so hard to pull pull her head off, and yes. And and everything it's well because it's Brian Froud like everything is both cute and disgusting, <clears throat> like it's are are like like gnarled and weird looking because I, I think the guy basically loves like I feel like he loves roots and like <laughs> potatoes and so everything sort of has <laughs> like uh, sort of has that look and um mm-hmm. uh and it's i just remember it when cuz i saw this in theaters as a kid and i remember like all the different points that scared the shit out of me the fires were one the 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 woman with like all the crap on her back oh yeah that i that disturbed me to no end as a kid and then f- the other big one was the like the gate the giant monstrous gate <laughs> oh. i was about that until i rewatched yeah. and um but it's funny, like after that, it's like calm. But those particular ones, well, actually, I remember kind of the bog of eternal stench freaking me out a little bit too. It's funny how how much how dark it has this really like airy effect to it. But it's, there's a lot of darkness in this movie. Oh, it's very dark. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're taking a what PG thirteen or whatever romp through like nightmares of European history. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I. The the bog thing was like there's a moment where well first you lose Ludo right and that has like almost Princess Bride feelings like when she falls down the sand trap and he has to go but it obviously it doesn't work that way and then it's like you're in the bog of eternal stench and you're like okay so you can see Python it's a like eleven minute fart joke mm. but it's also like horrifying and they they get there by like falling you know slipping yeah. down that slide and like nearly falling three or four times which is scary um and then you know the bridge that collapses and everything it's like i've had nightmares like that where you're like running away from something and you're running across the bridge that's suddenly not there anymore and you're like what the hell um so well that's i don't think any of it would be so impactful if it weren't so masterfully visually done you know like because when i'm watching for me there were parts that i remember like the the hands um, mm. fall, falling down the hands that freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid um, even though I loved it I, I was yeah. still like that part is terrifying to me because I don't know what's down there and I don't know how they're gonna handle me or drop me or tear yeah. me apart or like just at the mercy of all these these hands touching you already yeah, you. <laughs> but then like um, but it's funny because I'm learning a lot about how I identified with or, or related to other kids as an only child through this conversation because uh like I remember my uh, friend of the family's kids were over and we watched Labyrinth and this like their daughter who's like a couple years younger than me was really freaked out and and had to like fast forward through the the fire guys and and I was just so like just just annoyed and just like just so disgusted with it just like you're gonna skip this part of like what is wrong with you 
they're puppets. Like I was just <laughs> so mad at this little girl. Like, and I was, I was only like a year older than her, but I'm still just like, you disgust me. Like <laughs> I want to watch them. This is like, and I didn't particularly even like them. I just felt like really self-righteous about the movie or something, but like, uh, which is that's a very kid thing too like to yeah. have like this these intense feelings about <laughs> random stupid things and like thinking someone's let like let me the tell worst. you guys about my life like intense feelings about stupid stuff it's like why do you care <laughs> <laughs> that's my whole like life. no this is the hill i will die on for five minutes and then i will forget it even happened but i also noticed the only child thing uh in the beginning and and, and end because I remembered being a kid and feeling so confused about all the feelings she has about her brother. Mm-hmm. Like when she's annoyed by him, I'm like, okay, I get this because I've been around other children and yeah, they're annoying, man, I would suck to have to stay home and not hang out with my friends for this. Uh, and to me, that baby isn't cute at all. Like there's it, to me, like if that, that is actually just a really annoying baby in the movie. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I just remember, and even in the end, when she kind of comes around, the only part that I could relate to or emotionally attached to was that she, that she had the like, you have no power over me, like mm-hmm. triumph. That, but I basically just faked it for the rest. Like I didn't have any understanding of the brother sister relationship with them. Like I still, I kind of do now. I have a stepsister, but like, uh, or a half sister. But um, but yeah, it's just weird. I'm watching it, and I'm hearing you guys talk about it, and you talking about how you relate to. It you know, see, uh, seeing it differently now that you have kids. And I'm just like, no, it's still the same. It's, like, <laughs> it's still the same movie to me. I'll wait till you have kids. Yeah. Um, oh, no, uh, I mean, let, let me kind of throw in one real yeah. quick. That 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 baby is Brian Froud's son. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry if Brian Froud is alive and listens to the show. Uh, he, he's, he, he's an Your animator. He's an animator yeah. for, he's a stop motion animator and he worked on Box Trolls and a bunch of those other movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like a really talented, Toby Froud, a really talented like puppeteer, animator, whatever. Um, well, I was going to say, yeah, like Toby's not set up to be cute. He's set up to be a baby going through a difficult time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a mom, you're looking at him going, he's full of drool, so he's teething, so he's in pain, so he just wants to be soothed constantly. And really he wants his mother so like that's yeah. a tough time for mom to be like i'm gonna have a life anyway even though having been through that i'm like i would have been much happier if i had been allowed to also have a life <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's this weird balance going on of like the difficulty of just having young children um but that's all like you know none of that was in my awareness as a kid watching it that was <laughs> i think that's one of the things too you know jim henson movies and oh, other good movies more recently um they'll play on multiple levels like if your mom watching this with your kids in the theater you're getting stuff out of this too because it's speaking to you as well as speaking to your kids um and then i was thinking about like when you were talking about proud and um liking roots and stuff i'm like well and then there's like dark crystal right the sister movie to this that has you know and that that's like strongly astrologically weird um even more fairy than this one. Yeah, it's it's more it's because there's no there's no people in in Dark yeah, Crystal. No, it's at all. pure puppets. Yeah, so there's no there's no like humans to ground it. It's like it's completely in its own realm. Yeah. Um 
I did see that one in the theater because my this is the funny thing about my father. He was like the sci-fi nerd. This is where I get all my sci-fi nerdy stuff. But he didn't like Bowie because Bowie was too weird. And it's huh. like you could be weird and not human. Uh-huh. But if you were a real person, it was like uncomfortable. Sure. Whereas I'm like, oh, I think that's great. <laughs> doing That's very like strange and odd. And, you know, I like that. So. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I think I think back to my childhood and like all the shit I saw. Like, I'm my my dad took me and my young cousins to go see Nightmare on Elm Street three in the theaters, <laughs> and I was like twelve or something, maybe twelve, fourteen or something. And yeah. then my my cousins were like eight, nine, Fuck. and we like all of us, all me and my cousins all went, and we were various ages, all below like sixteen. We mm-hmm. go watch this fucking movie, and I'm like, mm, this feels like different. I don't know if parents do this now. Like, yeah. I, just, I think everybody's like shielding every everybody from everything. Yeah, it's very odd because I I was like my best friend's mom took us to see the the, the alien movies because she was hugely into horror and she loaned me her Stephen King books when I wanted to read them. And like, I don't know, it was like great developmentally for my creativity and really bad for my sense of like safety. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, like one of my earliest memories, I think, I don't know if I, I think I've said this on this podcast is that like, I was watching the alien chestburster scene through a keyhole. (laughs) I was, I was maybe four or five. Like that's how early I, 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 I saw that. And uh, yeah, it fucks you up a little bit. And, yeah, uh, a little bit. But I, I'm kind of. I, I don't know. I'm. I'm happy. I got to see all this weird. Well, you're the person shit. you are because of it, right? Yeah, like, would have been somebody else. Like you know, <laughs> my dad was like, "Oh, you like reading sci-fi? Here, read all my sci-fi books." And it's like some of them were fine, like, and some of them were like, you know, Heinlein going on about like weird sex cults, and you're like. Should you be giving this to an eleven-year-old? Yeah, probably not. Well, um, and and then sometimes you you encounter sci-fi that's like really fucks with you, like Childhood's End. Have you ever read that? Oh yeah, that's yeah, a, that's, that's a, a really great. intense thing to read. Um, I think about that a lot because what I think about in Childhood's End is how. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody um, who hasn't read it, but um, ah. the the aliens, right, are demon formed because yeah. it's a memory, a humanity's memory of the future. Mm. And so I run into, I think about that a lot where I run into things and I'm like, is this a memory of the future somehow? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that book, uh, that part of that book lives rent free in my mind. A whole lot um mm-hmm. and sometimes it's helpful and sometimes i'm like now i'm just freaking myself out again I need to, like, <laughs> um did you say demon formed like formed by demons no no they, they look like they look oh, okay. like demons. so yeah. like the traditional you know snout nose <laughs> black leather wings type of thing horns yeah, i think it's yeah. i think it's really interesting that some people think um like that their alien encounters might be uh humans from the future that have evolved um and when i think about like transhumanism and like kind of just like like people that decide to be like totally you know asexual or genderless like to me it's like 
well, that's like kind of, if we just did that for a long time and found some other way to reproduce, we kind of just end up that, right? Yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of, if you, I guess if you sit and let things like the variety of humanity be themselves without trying to put them in boxes, like you can mm. see myriad possibilities shooting off from right just where we are now, right? And you're like, well, any of these. Well, like, I, I mean, you, you, there are times where you look at someone and you're like, this person is a troll, you know, <laughs> like they, they, they have troll ancestors. Like you can just tell yeah, looking yeah. that the, they're, they look like, you know, a potato or whatever in the right kind of way. Um, <laughs> like, it's like, I, I, I got like a message from, from some work one time that I had like, uh, elf, blood, elf lineage, like dark elves. Mm-hmm. And I like mentioned this to a friend and they were like, duh, look at, look at you. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, how would you not know that about yourself? Like, <laughs> you know, those are the this. best friends where they're like, that you say something <laughs> you think is going to be that crazy. And they're like, yes. And <laughs> like, where are you going with this? You got some news for me? Uh-huh. Um, I did notice at the very end of the movie when she puts Toby to sleep, um, Toby has a little elf ear in the movie. Did you notice that? It's oh, no. Elf. Yeah. No. I never saw that either. Yeah, so uh, right at the end. It's like it's not really strong, but, you know, I have an elf ear. So, like, I I don't know. I, I keyed into that, and I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. There's a little point going there. Is it like the little crimp? Yeah, so I don't know if you can see my ear, but it, it does this. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it pinches. Yeah. And then yeah. this one doesn't. This one's round. That's so does my wife's. Yeah. And well, so my, does her dad's on the same side. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely an interesting trait because like my parents saw it when I was young and they're like, oh my God, we put her to sleep on the, like one side all the time. What <laughs> happened? Um, no, I, I think that's actually like sounds, I know this sounds crazy, you know, probably not to us, but like I'm sure to some people that are listening. But I think that's actually a sign of uh, fairy lineage, like that you are in some kind of current with that, that I think certain physical traits only show up for certain reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I definitely have hobbits in my in my past. Oh, yeah. You have very hairy feet? Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. Andy hears and like, what, well, why is this growing here? I don't know. <laughs> your general disposition is very hobbit-like, too. So if it makes sense. Yeah, I love that. No, I definitely, you know, have, having done the ancestor stuff, there's like, there's a mix in there, but there's definitely stuff that is now called elf. It was, you know, it was a different thing when it was the living ancestors doing their thing, but how it's come down to us definitely falls into like that category. Right. Um, but it's okay. It's just funny. It's like, you know, my parents noticed this and they're like, oh no. <laughs> they always yeah parents are surprisingly self-centered they always think that like like oh did we do this oh is it our fault and it's like it's until it's, it, until it actually is their fault and then it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like always the wrong thing yeah i think about that with my son some of his like characteristics and i'm like shit did i do that <laughs> but, like maybe but you can always blame them for choosing to incarnate as your child yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's not kind to do to people until they're like old enough. I, I don't think I'd do that to a ten year old. That would be like, well, 
Well, you not, got stuck with me. You chose. <laughs> not like out loud, though. <laughs> just, just internally for your own framing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, they picked me also, so... I, you know, the thing with my oldest child, and it's different with my younger child, but the thing with my oldest child is it's like I'm seeing a lot of myself reflected back. So it's like I'm making more sense of my own childhood. Like, mm. why I did that stupid thing? And then I see it coming back from my son, and I'm like, oh, that, that was why. <laughs> huh. um, so I'm like, I, you know, obviously he has to live his own life that's not just like fixing mom's internal issues. <laughs> but... It's, it's funny to see that as well. I'm like, okay, you know, if, if lineage is telling you something and that's why you got this person, it's like, maybe listen. Yeah, um, I really like how Kyra and Armand says, like, you are who your ancestors prayed into being because you were who needed, was needed right now. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you can manage to look at the rest of your family as also that, then you're doing pretty good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I got the weird combination of, like, materialist, atheist parents who, like, also my mom used to go to seances, and my dad was a huge sci-fi and fantasy nerd, and, like, the other world was still alive, but not lived day to day, basically, so it's like, okay, you know, I got both of those things, I just, you know, now what do I do? You know, it's always interesting how the people that seem to be the most into sci-fi and fantasy are usually atheists and like science nerd people. And it's yeah. like, it's weird. It's like they suppress it. So it comes out with a succession mm-hmm. with this like fantastical literature. But then when they, in the, in real life, they're like, nah, it's all nonsense. And, but yeah. yet you're obsessed with it and it's really yeah funny. it's like it's the only thing you do if you have time to yourself is yeah. like in this other world and it's like you could combine those <laughs> of your life would be more interesting probably happier but at least more interesting um yeah that's yeah. that's that's all i see when i see people addicted to gaming i'm just like you really just need a magical practice because that's all you want you just yeah. want your life to be magic so you're choosing to live in a place where it's okay to do that, but you can just do that. Yeah, you can just do it normally. Yeah. And it's like, you have to be, I guess, more sensitive. Like you have to build that awareness because we're, we're definitely taught to not pay attention to certain levels, you know, when we're younger. And I have to watch that with my kids too, because it's like, okay, you do need to like be paying attention to the cars going down the street. So like there needs to be a focus on the thing that will like hit you, <laughs> kill you. But also it's like, if the tree is talking to you, that's, that's something, right? If it's caught your attention, there's a reason. So I don't know that I'm bridging it well, but I'm, I'm like aware of that with the kids. It's like, and we get to a place and I'm like, okay, this is beautiful. Say thank you to the trees and the land. Um, so I'm trying. It's, it's definitely difficult because it's like, I don't have... Um, I don't have an example to follow. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I, so I'm like, I'm making it up as I go. I'm hoping for the best. We all are. Like, yeah. we're we're the um, we're the deformed cornerstones that the new churches will be founded upon. Like, yeah. boldly, boldly putting instilling family traditions and um, you know raising our kids right if we have them and if not just being out there 
and like comfortable with like yes my life is magic and that's not weird and like yeah. um yeah because we're all just faking like especially you know drink because i'm mentioning thailand again but like re- <laughs> reading uh reading about their whole culture and and all the magic there it's like we are so far lost that oh the, yeah the best mm-hmm. we can do is leave our notes for our kids and our grandkids or our progenies that's it <laughs> yeah like to come from an intact culture i mean there are very few of them that aren't dinged by western-ish stuff but even a more intact culture would be amazing and i can't i can't even imagine like just you would just have stuff that would come down to you like i know how to bake bread because you know my family bakes bread i would if i were in that culture i would also know how to like sing to the sun and the planets and the trees and i'd know you know what thing to do in this time and that time and you know that's all like there are pieces still around but it's not lived enough so it's it's definitely a reconstruction slash reconstruction is actually wrong because we're not trying to be the past we're trying to like pick up the pieces we can and form a new thing yeah it's a renewal yeah it's uh it's a not a recycling upcycling whatever stupid <laughs> term we can yeah but it's it's taking the pieces and, and filling in the gaps and like yeah. yeah we don't get to be the garden we have to be the dandelions yeah well yeah. i love dandelions yeah but we are also soaking up all the poison you know dandelions that's... are good for your liver you know so i guess that's what we're doing yeah. I've, I, I've just come to accept that any kids i have will probably just be hyper conservative republican <laughs> playing I mean, that's that's always a possibility christians um, that's it's gonna be yeah i i i'm i'm convinced that my kids will be normal as fuck pump out a couple uh, venture capitalists and retire early yeah right <laughs> as long as they support dear old dad in his hobbit house it's <laughs> no nah, they're gonna be like fuck that old man we hate him <laughs> wasting his <laughs> life a weirdo art. yeah right a, he lives in a park now what the fuck is he doing he doesn't even believe in science. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's so funny. I I still love sciencey nerdy stuff. It's just like, okay, and right. You know? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's, hard to pick apart how many false assumptions we have lodged in there. It's really difficult to go back and like read out, oh, okay, what is actually venture capitalist propaganda that's worked its way into the public schools since the 70s? And what is yeah. it? Well, about what month ago maybe they released that thing that's like this is what a black hole sounds like you know where they shifted the sound so we could hear it and it's like it sounds like every creepy sci-fi movie ever it's like maybe we kind of knew what a black hole sounded like didn't we yeah you know or we're like oh i won't sleep at night because it's the sound of this and i'm like that's telling you something you are or the other possibility is like maybe the recording was just pulled from a scary movie to renew people's faith in science it's also possible like nothing is beyond (laughs) i don't have a word for that but nothing is beyond right now the scope of possibility yeah Yeah, like if we got the raw data it would just be going hi 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 (laughs) (laughs) squirrel yeah come on over party at jake's no um, nom, 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 nom. like the the simulation point prints out eat drink and be merry okay. <laughs> for, for tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah ellipses yes 
No, I love that. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff, I'm like, this, this can sit comfortably in like a larger universe. You don't have to deny stuff. You just like, okay, you, you zoom out a little bit. So is my general living take on it. Well, if you're um, not using the scientific method in, in your magic, you're not, you're not moving forward, right? Like well, yeah, you actually I mean, have to take note of what worked and what didn't and what happened that's where. That's an immensely useful tool. It's like, it's, yeah, it's a tool for knowing and kind of working stuff out. And I don't know. I think science used to take itself a little less seriously too, because there was a journal my father subscribed to in the seventies and eighties, like irreproducible results. And it was, you know, stuff that you couldn't reproduce. So it wasn't science, but people would publish like these ridiculous things in it. And it was, you know, usually had to do with sex and farting because that's what adults love. Um, <laughs> like, perfect, you know, perfect labyrinth lovers. Right. It's like you, you never leave that stuff. Like you can <laughs> pretend to be all serious, but now that's that's still the baseline. <laughs> um, yeah, so. What was I going to say? I was watching The Labyrinth and it's funny because I'm like, I'm picking out the sci-fi references as I'm going. I don't know if you guys were doing this, but it's like, there's the thing where she can go through the door, but one lies and one tells the truth. And I'm like, this wasn't a Doctor Who. That's where I saw it first. And then um, what else? Uh, was there? I think I that's, actually, an, that's an old riddle. That's yeah, I actually, riddle, oh, yeah I it's, it's ancient, but like yeah. the first time I saw it was the Pyramids on Mars, which was an old Doctor Who episode, uh, um, which I recommend for like weird. I've seen like, that one. Yeah. I haven't seen very many of the old ones, but I remember that. That's a full on 70s. Like, I don't know what you were taking, but it was the good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was you can you can sort of see the lineage of the movie or I could, you know. And then the Python humor, the endless fart jokes, um, the the dog that couldn't smell, and like the actual dog that was <laughs> coward. The fact that it rides another dog is just so. Funny. Well, I guess it was funny. a fox, right? But it was a fox that rides a dog, and the dog was like, "No." <laughs> but it looks like a, it looks like a little terrier or something. To yeah, me. like it never. I never registered that as a fox in my entire life, not once. Yeah. No, I. I couldn't tell you what it is because it's got goes, that arr, arr, arr. like arr, arr, arr. yeah, he sounds like a little yapper. Yeah, he's you know goes like after a, rats like a condo rat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I noticed just from like a now that you have more like magic reading down, did you notice how many black chickens there were everywhere? No, no. There are black everywhere. There's goblins. There are like black chickens running around, and I'm oh like, my God. Are there only black chickens in this land? Yeah. So when they're in the throne room, you know, there's black chickens. When they're in the goblin city towards the end, there's black chickens, like, you know, almost getting hit by boulders coming through. Um, yeah, there's like, I mean, I, I found probably in the last two weeks, I've found like three different spells and different sources that feature black chickens because we have a black hen now. She's not all black, but I'm like, it's close enough. I know this is a thing. <laughs> I gotta go look this up yeah that's cute oh yeah that's a grimoire thing yeah, oh yeah you know when my brother had chickens he had one black chicken and i didn't think to um ask for feathers and i'm like damn it i should have asked for feathers yeah, have you seen the ones that are just like black all the way through like yeah like so he had the a, on the inside and... i think i think so yeah. <laughs> like licorice uh, yeah they're licorice chickens <laughs> 
obviously we know what to get Rahu next time. Um, <laughs> yes. Giant licorice chicken. No, the, the, the cochins, some of the cochins that are black are just, they're beautiful because they're solid black, but they have that um, iridescence in their feathers. So I know very little about chickens, but I know about that one. So it's almost like a magpie feather looking. Kind of. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, they're beautiful birds. Um, chickens are all like terrified of me. Every chicken flock I've come up to and been like, oh, you're so cute. They, they must see me as a predator because they're oh. like, ah, and they run away. Um, Interesting. Whatever. I'm I'm like snake like in chicken vision or something. <laughs> I, I haven't the slightest idea because I'm like oh they're cute I'll pet one and you know other people are picking them up under the arm to that calms them and to pet them and I'm like I know they run from me and they squawk like oh my god I'm gonna be eaten. <laughs> Man, I haven't tried to pick them up at all. I just hang out with them so they get more comfortable every once yeah. in a while. But like, yeah. Now, now they're a little too comfortable and I go and feed them and they just kind of attack. <laughs> That's awesome. So how many do you have? We have 13, including the mom, but we're, we have, it was six boys, six girls. So we're going right. to get You're rid of be- the boys, except for one of them. Cause one of them got one, two of them. We thought two of them died. Mm-hmm. And then one of them was still breathing and then, but barely. And it looked like it had had its neck broken and stuff. Ooh. And it was really bad. And then like my wife wouldn't give up on it mm-hmm. and gave it water. And within two hours, it was up walking around and fine. Wow. And so we're going to try and build a little enclosure and keep that one because it's a rooster. Um, but then we're hoping to get some meat back and eat a couple of them. And I've, I still, I want to get in touch. I don't know who to talk to about who does sacrifices at the bog down at the Iron Age village, but I'd like to offer a chicken to the bog. That would be awesome. It would be really nice to be in with bog lady spirit because she's there and she's intense. Um, Oh, wow. But I get the feeling that it's like, you can't just approach her. Yeah, it would make sense. You would have to go through like proper channels. She's been there a long time and they pulled... Like that's, that's an old site mm-hmm. that they built a new village on to live the old way. <clears throat> um, but she was fed plenty of humans. They pulled yeah. a few mummies out of there. And um, wow. so, so yeah, the fact that it's still like, they actually sacrificed chicken down there and um, leave the remains and stuff. So I'm like, um, yeah, I just, I want that spirit to know I care. It'd be so good to get it a rooster <laughs> yeah that's I'm kind definitely... of trailing off on this and daydreaming now i'm sorry that's okay no it's like you, you know make friends with your land spirits friends or you know water spirits bogs being in between but yeah yeah but it's like if someone's making active sacrifices go to that person and not direct because <laughs> yeah Yeah, well, and especially if, you know, they haven't quite worked out how to do it right, you know, have that bounce back on them, not you. Well, I think they probably do know what they're doing if they haven't been consumed or something. Yeah. Um, But my feeling is that there are more people than than you can tell by looking that believe in some of the old ways here. Um, Oh. But I don't, they're not typically people that even advertise or talk about it. Oh, of course not. Um, and I've yet to really even meet any of them, but 
but I, I assume like if they're if they're holding that down, like the bogs probably. I think after a few hundred years of no attention, mm. you probably don't care that much if they're getting things quote unquote right. So I imagine it's like a new relationship, the same way that yeah. we're not reconstructing anything. Yeah, um, that but makes still sense. that means that person, whoever's reestablished that, is now the emissary. And mm-hmm. that's like the proper channel to go through i think yeah at least by my fucking logic which is like you said all we have to go on is like what makes the most sense you know yeah it's like we're trying our best here yeah lots of lots of uh like again like chiron armand always says with uh with any kind of land spirit work the key phrases are like thank you i'm sorry uh bless you or something like that it was just like this really you want to just say those all the time (laughs) i'm sorry thank you and bless you yeah well i I listened to a guy i'm I'm forgetting his name so i'm sorry i'm not going to shout him out but he does um mongolian shamanism and i've listened to a couple of his talks and you know their way of uh propitiating i guess land spirits is always to say you know you go through a whole thing and then at the end you basically say i'm sorry if i'm offended you i'm a silly human kind of i'm doing my best but like you know it's more poetic um but it's like you know i'm doing this because i know you're important type of thing and i'm like yeah like that's you know and he comes from an intact line too so it's like that's just part of yeah. how you relate because you're like well y- you're not that class of spirit you don't really know yeah so just yeah, in case you left something up that you don't know about. It's it's just like if you're in a foreign country and you're just like, I'm sorry, I don't know the customs, but um, yeah, it's just polite. You're doing your best. Yeah, and, and after a while, you can kind of drop that because it's like, well, they know me by now, but um. I don't know. <clears throat> just being aware that you're like maybe messing up and like not to be this is tricky because it's like it can also hamper you from just being yourself but just being um less sure you're right i think as you move through the world is like very very helpful and that you know we can tie that back to the labyrinth when sarah shows up and she's like asking the wrong questions and she's mad because she's not getting the answers yeah and it's like she she expects us to work one way and it doesn't and then like and and every time she Every time she does like the reasonable logical thing, it turns against her. Yeah. Well, um, and then she gets very mad. She's like, somebody's been shifting my marks. And it's like, your marks, have you noticed the walls move? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's it's playing at a different game than you are, like a different level. So yeah. Well, I was I was thinking now it's like it's funny because you now if you were there, you'd like whip out your cell phone and you take a picture. <laughs> And you'd be like, okay, can I figure out the way through? And of course the walls would shift and then you'd be mad again. But it's like, it's funny how, like, I was thinking about how different that thought process would be today, where it's like, you'd be more sure of yourself and like more, more wrong. Um, I could I could imagine in, in the newer version though, is like you review the pictures and it's just a bunch of goblin faces making like, like weird, yeah, making weird yeah. expressions at you. It's like, you don't do the it's completely useless yeah Um, well that would be funny to like take a picture of like the labyrinth and then like look at your phone and you know sort of that like it's not what you're seeing you know you're seeing a different way than what's actually so it's like it'd just be like a hillside or a landscape 
or you know it'd be a whole bunch of goblins <laughs> um, or just or just david bowie's crotch <laughs> i you know a lot of people love that part of the movie so like, <laughs> gotta love those dance tights right <laughs> so i think that's funny too because there are a couple of shots where i'm like okay guys that was deliberate <laughs> Like you were not like, oh, accidentally. You're like, no, it's like perfectly framed, like from maybe above his navel to like mid-thigh. I'm like, no, no, no. It was in his contract that he needed at least like two portraits of his crotch. Right. And you know, you think about that. That was shown on like a giant screen. That one must have been like (gasps) (laughs) I mean, talk about a coming of age, like if you're even remotely attracted to Bowie and men or whatever anyway i've i've talked to i've talked to many many women that this movie had was a sexual awakening like you know if you're bi or whatever okay um you're like that that was a visual experience and it's funny because the first time i watched it i was too young and i i just missed that and like you know then my friend in high school we went on a like watch all the Bowie movies um, binge, and we got to Labyrinth, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts! And we had we had previously watched The Man Who Fell to Earth, where he is actually naked in it, right? <laughs> um, but then we're like, this is a kids movie. <laughs> it was it's, really funny. It's interesting. On the other end of that, uh, I think. My uh, taste in women was affected for many years based on Jennifer Connelly in this. I have heard oh, yeah. a lot of guys say that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, you know, and she's not even a character that like you really like, but she becomes like this um, archetypal kind of beautiful. I don't However you describe that. I don't know. To me, um, it's the transformative journey. It's the, um, the overcoming that's hot. Like I remember being a kid and just being so like, like watching her figure out, like, you're right. It isn't fair. Yeah. It isn't fair. And that's how it is. And Um, then she never said that again. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was, I think my first, my first experience of Zen Mm -hmm. (laughs) really like, it was just like the, like, I just accept it now. And I was like that. And I actually reapplied that moment in my own life based on the movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and like that, that, so then, and for a long time, it was, I've had this very dark, like straight hair and dark features because of, yeah, it eventually wore, wore off and just the like character stuff remained, I think. But, but towards the end, like the way the, the last, you know, third of it, the way that she's like aggressively kind to people who need it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, she's, she's seeing outside herself finally. Yeah and breaking down their walls and inviting them into a sort of like love and comfort that they didn't even know existed, mm-hmm. that they, they'd actually never experienced at all. It was like this friend, like what, what even is this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause the whole world's so cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, it's, also, it's, it, it's funny. Cause like, uh, this is not fair. It gets replaced by, Oh no. Like that's, that's in there like <laughs> 900 times. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you were, you were saying it. I was going to say she's definitely like, and this is, this is why it's interesting that the protagonist you see grow up as a girl because like hero journeys are usually boys, mm-hmm. and it's like you get to see her like she grows out of her own 
um, internal like navel gazing basically. And you know, the first thing she does is she's, yeah, like you said, she's kind to people. She makes friends, she builds a community with her, you know, and it's like, she's not actually trying to like truly harm anyone. She's just trying to get away. So if like there, people are attacking, she's like, can we just run? Is that good enough? You know? So there's definitely a, um, you know, it's not perfect, but there's, there's a, a focus on kindness that um, I, I think is important. And like to, to contrast it with the star Wars movies, it's like, do you see Luke doing that? Sure. You know, Luke falls in with people and he's like happy to accept their help, but does he build a community? No, he he's, he's more that, the archetype of the the charging forth man that the whole plot folds around to support him without him ever actually giving anything back except for like the one like key action that he has to make and that's yeah. why everyone needs him for that mm. and so well and that often excuses any shitty thing that they do right well um, he does he does not so much in star wars but in the, I mean, in Return of the Jedi, it is like it is him and his compatriots that it's like everybody all together is. is oh yeah, he's he's definitely got friends. I don't want to be yeah. like he doesn't have friends, but it's like, did he make those friends or did he fall in with them? Yeah, I I, I completely agree that. Well, I mean, I've always been of the opinion that like Luke's a whiny bitch, and I don't really care that much about Luke Skywalker's character. I never have. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he is a mighty bitch, and I don't think that's bad because, like, if you he grow, starts out that way, yeah, I yeah, think he, if you grow I think out it, of it, that's fine. I think by the third movie, it's it, like that changes, it transforms. I, I think by the third movie, it's from like a ten down to a five. Yeah, it's it's a little weird because, like, the third movie is where he like flirts with the dark side, and you know he has to make that moral choice, and it's like I get that that's a big turning point in his character, and then the rest of the movie is Ewoks, right? Um, was there anything else that happened? <laughs> right? It's like no, he saves uh, his father, who's another like turn to the dark side, fallen hero character who didn't complete his hero's journey, right? And he pulls him back at the end, which is it's beautiful. It's also just about two people. It's like the rest of the world is kind of like Ewoks, you know. Um, and I, you know, I don't hate Star Wars. I loved the first three movies. I was like obsessed with them, but I, you know, it, when we're looking at movies at the same time, it's like, well, you know, when you put a teenage girl in this and you, they could have written it for Luke, they just didn't. It's like, they automatically yeah. go, oh, well, the way that she becomes a better person is she's kind to everyone and she makes friends and she makes community. And it's like, that's good maybe they should have done that for the boys too maybe men could like learn from that example yeah it's like a little bit like if you have the the giant hero of like a very very popular series who's a guy also following that path it's like could we have been in a better place this is uh Part of the reason I think Adventure Time is one of the best things that's ever happened because Finn is that way. Like, and mm -hmm. and Jake is often very dark. Like, there's there's shit that Jake does that's like, holy shit, that's really dark. Mm -hmm. And and Finn always sets him straight and is like, we have to be kind to everyone. But he's also the cool guy. Yeah. And um, yeah. and the fact that that 
that's giving kids permission to to be both. Like you don't you don't have to be Mr. Serious tortured artist dickhead to be the lead role or or Mr. like on a man on a mission, man on fire bullshit. You can mm-hmm. you can have like be full of whimsy and still be like the lead character and the hero. Um, yeah. So I, I think like some anything, some people are catching up. People, oh it's gonna go ahead. So I've so just some people are catching up, I think, in certain areas, yeah. but it's it's looking back to there that time. Yeah, it seems to definitely be like a we see women this way thing. Yeah. Well, I think anything that gives people permission to be full humans is just positive overall. And it's right. like, um, you know, I think Labyrinth was good in that Sarah went on an adventure. She grew up. She was kind and she won. Right. As much as winning was an issue because it's like she got to reclaim her power from however you want to describe Jareth, if it's like imaginal, if it's like the tempter. Um, but she's like, no, I'm in charge of me. Mm-hmm. Like, you're hot and I'm feeling weird stuff. I am in charge of me. Like, you don't get to like say what I'm gonna do or whatever. And you know that that line at the end where he's like, love me, fear me, do what I, do what I say and I will be your slave. You're like, that's yeah like a crazy bargain you're like what is going on there yeah i know i sat with that for a little bit you know i'm uh there's there's some bigger analysis to be done with this but but i'm suddenly thinking about so her journey and then the other prominent like uh heroic women's woman's journey in the 80s was the like uh the sole survivor the like woman mm-hmm. at the end of every horror movie yeah and in a weird way labyrinth is kind of a horror movie <laughs> oh it totally is it's <laughs> um, a cute horror movie yeah but but it it goes in an opposite direction like because it's and she starts out by herself but then gathers people around her where it's mm-hmm. like huh most of the horror movies are like you losing everyone and yeah. just becoming, I, and I, I don't know. I've never thought about that before, but. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, and yeah. she doesn't give up on people too. Cause you know, how many people would stand by Hoggle after all the crap he does. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's like, no, you're still my friend. You know, I, I forgive you. That was a shitty thing you did. And we're going to move on together. And it's like, it's not quite restorative justice, but it's it's a cousin to it, right? That's powerful shit, though. That is actually yeah. something that changes whole humans. Oh, yeah. Well, and it changed Toggle, too. I mean, you, you see it where he's like, oh, okay. You know, it gives him permission to be a better person. It's, even, it's almost person. like, I think sometimes people don't even know that that's an option. It's like yeah. it's just never occurred to them that they can... Uh, that they could also let something go for someone else or that they could be forgiven um, even though they were absolutely in the wrong or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of little moments with that. Like, uh, like she, she takes his like uh treasure purse to mm-hmm. like force him to work yeah. with her. But then um, there's that seer that shows up and like asks for payment. And for a second, she considers like paying it from Hoggle's purse, but then she just, she, you know, I, and that's like a turning point for him because like everyone, 
everyone there is cutthroat. Oh, Jareth would have taken advantage of him, however, but she doesn't. Like she does take something from him, but she still respects that it's his. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's another little interesting developmental. Yeah, because uh, you can see the thought process, and you know he complains about it, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, you're right." Yeah. And it's also like an acknowledgement that she doesn't plan on keeping these things. She plans yeah. on, you know, restoring them. Restoring them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's full of tricksy things. Like she does all sorts of tricksy things, like with the door knockers where she puts the knocker back in. So yeah, she can yeah, holds his nose. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's not kind. That's like, you're dealing with, you know, tricksy creatures. You got to be one yourself, but it's also like she apologizes, which isn't you know as good as not having the knocker in there but it's like you know there's a, a recognition of like i have to do things to get through that aren't great and yeah i need to you know kind of i don't know make amends or Wait, well it's also funny because in that instance like why does she choose that door like i know the other one you wouldn't have to take that you wouldn't have to bother them in the same way yeah um uh but I, but I guess it's like, well, I'm in conversation with this one. So there's a lot of little odd ones like that, like where she's falling down the the hole with all the hands and, and they're like, which direction do you want to go? Yeah. And I think my inclination would be like, send me back up. But now she's like, I guess I'm already falling down. So let me fall down more. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> really interesting. I'm like, I guess that's kind of leaning into whatever the issue is. Yeah. Um, but I'm also like, yeah, I would have been like, back up, please. <laughs> I don't want to fall but, into a sewer or whatever. Yeah, but 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 it's funny because she doesn't. She wouldn't gather her allies if she didn't do these really like like these. This feels like the wrong choice. Why are you doing yeah. it this way? Because uh, she's yeah, she's just not wise. I no. I also I also have this I also have this weird suspicion that the worm she meets at the beginning if she if she had actually gone to meet his missus it, the baby would have been right there like just around the corner like I feel like I feel like it was like that was the end of it right there it's yeah just, it's... <laughs> no that smacks of like yeah because the whole thing is obviously more fairy than devil mm-hmm. like yeah. it's got the tricksy stuff but it's it's way more fairy. It's like the, the you have to remember the right words uh, and, and the story has to be told this way and stealing babies. I oh, mean, yeah. fuck. I mean, Goblin King, it's just all so fey. But then, yes, that would absolutely be like the way that you would, <laughs> you, you know, like in the video game, right? There's there's a way to just backdoor to the very end of the fucking <laughs> journey right there, but they make it so dumb that you're never going to get it. <laughs> and, I, and that is so like fairy logic in my mind because <laughs> it's the like your it has to be your own cognizance that gets you in the mess so like you, you missed it like the opportunity was that you missed it so like the rest of this has to happen now well the worm definitely <laughs> is like the cheat code because you know he also says don't go that way never go that way that, that way you know, leads straight to the castle the castle yeah and it's like that's definitely because it's early. She hasn't learned to like stop and ask good questions. questions? Like, don't yeah. go that way. Never go that way. Why? Right. Yeah. What's that way? Like, you know. Yeah. She just assumes everyone is trustworthy. Um, well, yeah. And it's it's like she gets early warnings. Like she gets bitten by a fairy before she even gets in there. Because she's like, oh, it's so beautiful. And then she gets like fairy rabies or something, you know. <laughs> um, fairy pox. <laughs> Babies, yeah, babies. <laughs> babies. 
It's like in 10 years, she'll just like shed glitter or something like that. That's what it does. That is a nightmare. You never get rid of it. It's just it's, always. For- I know glitter is the worst. <laughs> it's funny because I'm like, you know, you watch the labyrinth and it's like whatever, whatever sprayed in glitter. You know, like the dust is glitter when dust gets knocked up. It's just glitter. And I'm like, can you imagine? Like, you will never get the labyrinth out of like your hair, your belly button. <laughs> they just burn that studio. Yeah. yeah. They set it ablaze for sure. <laughs> oh, I, I had a I have a I have a friend who's like a uh she's a she's a musician and she's uh, she's always dressed in like really crazy stuff and she always wears a lot of sequins. She always has a and mm-hmm. I remember she stayed uh, at our house like years ago and we found sequins like four or five years later like in the yeah. floorboards it's like i've i've vacuumed and swept this a hundred times i don't know how, where it where was this this yeah. entire time well i will tell you back in my my i forget if it was my late teens or my early 20s but somebody hosted a labyrinth ball and like, you know, I flew out with some friends from like the group that we were all in and we went to this thing and our, our idea of fun at the time was um, related to the movie, I should say. But our idea of fun is we would dump like that micro crystal and glitter on people's heads as like, oh, no. you know, because it's labyrinth, right? And you're, you know, you're in a club that's set up to look like the labyrinth. And was this in so, LA? It was in San Diego. Oh, okay. Because there is a but, thing called Jarrett's Ball that yes. happens. Yeah. I, I suspect that was like the first incarnation Version. of that. Um, but I haven't I haven't paid attention since you know I've had kids. So it's been a decade. I have no idea what's going on. But anyway, um yeah, it was like years later. Years later. I didn't have the costume I wore or anything either. And I was just be like, why is there glitter? <laughs> And it's like <laughs> it's that, that like one thing that we did is still with me. I, I think it's a, I think I think it's a conspiracy to mark every woman who's ever been a stripper. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really that's what it's really about. I think it's to get their husbands caught or to get husbands <laughs> oh, caught like funny, yeah. you come home like like you were at the fucking strip club again. Don't lie to me. You're, <laughs> you're shining. I have to wear sunglasses. <laughs> It's, it's funny, people always have referred to glitter as the herpes of art supplies. Yes. And but I was just, I can't stop thinking about like, like actual glitter herpes. Like, like you just have herpes, you just have like glitter on your crotch that just shows up every once in a while. And people are like, oh, you know what? No, I, I, I don't Not want tonight. that shit. I don't want that shit on me. Yeah. I'm sorry. It'll, you know, you can never get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I had a couple of uh, lady friends who liked going to strip clubs with the guys, like, you know, lesbians who were like, I'm going to do it too. And man, they would come back like afterwards and you didn't even need to see the glitter, like the smell of the perfume the strippers wore. Oh. Like you could smell them a block away. I'm like, oh, you went to the strip club with the boys again, did you? Um. <laughs> So, for anyone wondering, that was- I think I definitely own some of that stripper perfume. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, Angel, I'm sure that's one of them. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. That's a famous, yeah. yeah. I love it. It's like it's like fruity sweet death bubble gum. It's amazing. It's, it's great. <laughs>
I think strip clubs are really interesting places, but not for sexual reasons at all. <laughs> like, they're like fascinating in, a, in an abject horror kind of way to me. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's a lot of cultural stuff to be learned there, isn't it? And it's like, you know, I have I have friends who like we're all old now but like in their 20s like when they were going to school they would also strip like you know they needed an extra job and it's like well this is a thing i can do that doesn't interfere with my day life um see i respect that i just oh yeah i feel like the 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 whole vibe is just so pathetic and creepy to me like yeah it's it's transactional so it's like do you really want your sex to feel like that like that seems weird but But, you know, if, you, if you're taking advantage of that to make yourself a buck in college, I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Or, you know, as a career, I don't care. It's like, you do you. If I were a hot chick, I would have definitely stripped, you know, through my 20s. Yeah. It wouldn't have been for college, just drugs, but... <laughs> well, we all have our, you know, needs in life, but... <laughs> I'd probably be some biker bitch by now. <laughs> I'm like, I look at some of those ladies and I'm like, if you're actually having fun, more power to you. Yeah, they're like, free. <laughs> yeah. Some I'm of like, Hop on your bike. You know, hopefully you have your own bike. Nothing personal, but have your own bike. Um, And, you know, just ride off into the sunset whenever you feel like it. Like, how awesome does that life sound? That's good. So I have to tell you, I had a friend who was a big Jennifer Connelly fan. And he's like, if you want sort of the horror show version of the labyrinth what you do is you watch the labyrinth and then requiem for a dream back to back oh god and have yeah. jennifer connelly be the same person that's i was just hilarious i was gonna say the same thing like i was uh i was thinking like things didn't turn out that well for her did they like <laughs> well i mean we got on the drugs topic and then i'm like well no it's like if you don't have support when you come back into the real world what are you gonna do with that shit that's, it's, it's the it's cautionary funny. tale of the initiatory <clears throat> experience without the support group. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What's, what's funny because Dark City is also kind of another version. I of this love movie. Dark City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I wish they had done more with her character there because I mean, it was again, it was about the guy doing all the stuff, and it's like there was a big potential for her character. Because <clears throat> it's you know, she wasn't the person she was ever. Yeah. Right? It. it uh, th- that movie strikes me as something that was whittled down from probably something even much. Oh, it's a it's an insane comic, like book thing, and I mean it, in the comic book, I've heard because I have not found it, but um, the guy's wandering around. I think it's Germany, but anyway, he's um, some of the stuff is going on that's like in the movie, but he's also like to stay up, he's taking a ton of drugs, so it's mm-hmm. like descending into madness while he's also finding stuff out. Um, I might not be doing that justice because I haven't read it, but yeah, if you find the comic, it is from what I've heard, well, well worth the read. I had no idea it was even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Turns what, out I'm a nerd too. <laughs> yeah. What? No, it's, it's funny. Uh, it's funny because that's all dark is also intimately tied to the matrix because there's mm-hmm. some of the same sets. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, like the, when they wrap to keep to keep the budget down on the matrix they reuse sets from dark city and they're oh, wow. weir- that's like they're weirdly kind of they're similar movies about like mm-hmm. the falseness of reality and it almost uh, feels like dark city was one of the first attempts at the the matrix simulation yeah 
that, I mean, that actually fits as a prequel to the matrix to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I have to tell you when the matrix first came out, like I had friends who were movie people, like went to school for cinema and stuff and they dragged me to it. And I was sitting in the thing going, they're just ripping off an old doctor. Who episode. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's this one where, you know, the doctor has to go, he's in the panopticon and he has to go into the matrix to prove his innocence in some murder. I won't get into the plot, but anyway, he's hooked into this computer system and he's in there and he's, you know, fighting against the person who's kind of taken over the matrix. So, you know, I'm like, this isn't anything new. It's like that plus dark city. Well, um, I, I think that's a pretty standard shape, right? Like someone someone yeah. new is, oh, they're so brilliant. What a great story. And it's like, you actually just ripped this off from some lesser known thing that only had a tiny cult following that was a brilliant writing that executed poorly. I think- Or, like, you know, you're like, that. you know, people are like, this is brilliant. And you're like, it's Shakespeare. You're just <laughs> Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, and Our- no shade, Shakespeare stuff is amazing. But yeah. like, you know, it's the shape of this other thing. And he was- taken from other people too we just don't know their names so i mean there's a similar there's a similar thing with twilight zone too like there's like the twilight zone was hugely influential oh i loved it Mm. yeah 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 me too those original ones it's hard to beat the the way that they fuck with your head they're so good well and you you get through this bonkers thing and then there's rod sterling just with his eyebrow raised smoking going interesting <laughs> yeah the the calmness about it really sets it off i think there's yeah. something about the the ease Ugh. yeah that was um was that thanksgiving like the thanksgiving holiday they would just run a marathon of that i think mm. trying to remember but you would think, you wouldn't see it very often but then you'd see like a huge chunk of it chunk together. of them yeah and i think they would do it for christmas sometimes too oh maybe it was christmas I yeah oh yeah because because um thanksgiving was um wizard of oz that was it mm. they would run that like three times in a row after the thanksgiving day parade mm. and so you know that's another one that's like well you're transported to a land of <laughs> bonkers whatever yeah <laughs> so i wanted your take on this um i had joked years ago and I don't think it's completely wrong, but it's not completely right either, that um, the movie version of Howl's Moving Castle is the labyrinth with a different ending. Mm. Oh, they're very, they're definitely very similar. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what happens then. Like, Wait, well, it, Hal's, Hal's relationship to her is also completely different too. It is. It's very different. But it's like, if you're looking at like, like if uh, were a good coming of age feminine archetypal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Except he's like a, a, a worthwhile fairy king to, to fuck with in the end. And he's tormented and, and well, he gets she's his heart sort of back she, the end, yeah. Right? She saves him. That that's the other difference, right? Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's about her saving him versus rejecting. Uh, well, her saving herself right at the end of the labyrinth. Yeah. All you, all you have to really do is fear me and worship me, and yeah. I'll be your slave. Yes. Makes perfect that's, sense, you know. You towered before me. I was frightened. <laughs> 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 Fucking weren't. <laughs> asshole uh, 
And, you know, I've had plenty of like conversations with like girlfriends of mine where it's like, did Jared kind of fuck you up for like how to date people in the beginning? Mm. It's like, oh, yeah. That's interesting. That's yeah, like the... going for the glamour and those like the people who are glamorous to you as like late teenagers aren't necessarily the most stable types. And, you know. You're like, well, now do I have to try and save you? That's always a bad idea. Right. <laughs> right. And, and to specifically be drawn to that tension. If you're like sexual awakening is because of the tension of that, like, um, he's, he might eat me. Um, yeah. He's hot and, and dangerous. And that's, yeah. And it's like, you know, we, I think we all grew out of it, but um, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, that was not a good choice. I can't deny that younger versions of me may have or may not have benefited from. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wasn't going to say, but I'm like, I could see the Rev playing that, you know, role in his 20s. Oops. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I dated somebody like that, too. And then I was like, wow, this, I don't like being in this relationship. The um, funny thing was, I'm... Oh, I like sorry. the person, right? But... Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny. I, I feel like at some point it was like being stuck in that role. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, I felt kind of uh, frustrated. Like all I can do is all I can attract is this thing now. Mm -hmm. Like the, the ones that actually are like serious or someone I would want to be serious with. It's like there's nothing there for them with yeah. this thing that I've become. Um, yeah yeah really interesting how that's that... like a pre-existing shape that it was easier to slip into rather than creating your own do you know what I mean possibly but I think in my case that is very deeply who I have been in maybe past lives um I think there's I mean dark elf right there's this like ornery rascal stuff going on I think it's a lot of this lifetime has been like trying to temper that and make it benefic instead of something that's like selfishly motivated right because if you can be snarky and tricky but in the end you're helping people um it's okay to be a little dark or dangerous as long as your intentions are good you know well it's not even intentions it's actions right like you can sure. intend all sorts of stuff but it's like are you actually a benefit to your friends to have around sure and it's like if you can say yes then like fine you know which you are, so you've definitely graduated. <laughs> Thanks. That still feels new to me because, uh, yeah, lots of drug history. There's uh, just many, many years of feeling like a uh, burden to everyone around. It's like, yeah. it's something strange to get used to. Like, like trying to take a deep breath if you took a corset off or something, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I exist, and that's not a problem for people anymore. Yeah like yeah. people actually like having me around because I bring you know positive things to the interaction right and and then that way if someone does have a problem with something you say or do it's like you can genuinely be comfortable not taking it very seriously because you're like well I used to do horrible things and you're upset because of words nah. yeah <laughs> well, you, know, you can look at it and be like well this is not the worst thing I've done and you know did I fuck up maybe I did it's like I you know the way you read it was not the way I meant it. And I am yeah. sorry it came across that way. So, or, you know, 
something I didn't think about. And now I feel really bad because it like triggered something. And it's like, that's them and you, but it's them and you together. So it's like, that is, it's, I don't know. It's just being responsible, I guess, for the relationships you're in. Yeah. Well, there's, there's this nuance I'm finding between being considerate of other people's emotions and apologizing when you have done something that allows them to hurt themselves based on their own ego and feelings. Um, and how I don't think it's necessarily, it's, I don't think it's necessarily a favor to people's personal growth to cater to their emotions all the time. I think no. uh, like, well, I'm, I, you know, if that, if that hurt, then I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. Should probably be as far as that ever goes. And a lot of the time that should be unnecessary. And I think if people are left with silence, and they have to sit with themselves and they didn't get that apology. Uh, if you didn't do anything wrong, like don't give an apology because then they have time to reflect on why did that upset them so much? And perhaps this is actually something they could be working on as to like, you know, maybe that folds inward and the attention looks at how can I become less affected by other people's words and less vulnerable in general? And yeah. That's interesting because being a woman, you're taught to definitely default to apology. So it's it's interesting to hear you like find that fine line between like, you know, we're thinking about other people's feelings in context of everything, not just only thinking about other people's feelings. Um, so that, yeah, I'm, I'm still working on that. Oh, it's hard. It's really hard because but... I'm a people pleaser. Like I want to make everyone like me and mm-hmm it's an exercise to be like, like, it's actually okay if some people don't and you don't have to apologize when it's unnecessary. And there's something about um, like a true speak aspect to that. Like when you get so detailed because there's, like I said, I think that you actually might close off opportunities for people to have epiphanies. If they, if they get sort of the validation that they were looking for to complete the circuit of, I have just been wronged because you said a thing that felt weird to me. It's funny. Cause like, uh, Anna Kat, like I, I have, that's my, that's been my default mode forever too, is like always apologize for everything basically for existing. Um, and then learning how to like, not do that all the time. Mm-hmm. As, I was going to say that might be our shared cancer thing too. Maybe. Um, it, it, and it's also, there's something I was thinking about, and this was based off seeing something that happened on one of the various uh, forum things that we're all a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever been, hey, I demand an apology from you. I have never done that in my entire life. I, it's such a weird thing to me because I, I I don't feel like that's actually doing anything no. it's like, like demanding an apology yeah it's like I don't, to love you like it's yeah the same, like yeah have these have these feelings now yeah it, it's like I don't I don't I don't think that's resolving anything I think that's just continuing the the antagonism but in just a different way and I I remember, I remember reading that in someone's reply to something and i'm like that's weird i don't think i've ever i've never requested that any 
I've had grievances and I've talked it out with people, but it's never been like, I need you to apologize and say, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a certain amount of like magic formula words happening there that it's like, those, those do have, um, a meaningful life. Right. So it's like in certain circumstances to, to come up with the formula is like, part of I I think it's part of like a restoration because you're like I I was wrong I say this formula I acknowledge publicly in a way that we all understand that like I fucked up um and I'd like to make amends right so there there is a little bit of that like in certain circumstances but they're very like specific they're not just like you said thing something that um triggered shit in me and now I'm taking it out on you again. Mm-hmm. Um, which that happens in real life. It happens online. I mean, flame wars were like everyone has been through a flame war who's been on the internet for more than like five minutes. Um I I definitely when stuff like that goes down on the forums, I tend to leave because I'm like yeah. this is like if if I started it, I'll apologize. But um, I usually don't start things because I don't. We've talked about this. I don't like being super visible, so I yeah. tend to only interact in spaces where I know people. Um, whereas Kurt comes in with like the hilarious zingers, <laughs> like awesome. Um, but if I'm, you notice, I'll immediately fade. I I don't. Oh yeah, I, I don't. I tend, either. Yeah, I don't tend to do very long. Like I've thought about it before. I've been tempted, but I'm like, I feel like this is just involving me in something much more comp. And we're and it's through a typed out. Like this is a different thing. Like us mm-hmm. seeing face to face and like intonation, and you can you can make a mistake and then like sort of unpack it and like and there's value in that. But on there, it's like you put words; they're easily misunderstood. It's and like a court transcript then. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, but 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 then there's also that in relation to like the audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of people that are aware that there's an audience of, mm-hmm. that, are, that are looking at these things. And I'm like, I don't like this either. This doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll reply to people I'm already friends with. I'll occasionally reply in like the big, big chat rooms. But they're, I always pitch it differently. I try and make it like very straight right it's like i'm not putting multiple layers in this i'm not trying to be clever i'm not making a joke usually um i love making jokes and i love like multi-layer jokes but i'm like i i i'm not comfortable with it being broadcast basically um so i'm definitely (laughs) i'm like i'm a people person but like it tops out at like 10 people (laughs) (laughs) i think i think i uh could relate to that a lot Yeah, yeah same so very, very hard same yeah it's funny though i mean some of the some of the stuff that goes down i've learned so much and i like I totally appreciate the opportunity to the opportunity to lurk and learn mm-hmm. um because no one wants to be wrong no one wants to be called out and i'm like well i just learned something that i won't be doing later but then it's also like well at some point you've limited yourself and you can't do anything yeah, so, that's, my my way has always been um, if I if I'm in a mood where I'm wanting to be social and make friends, mm-hmm. um, ever since I was like a kid, 
it's like throw yourself in and make an ass of yourself. Be the first guy to do that. Mm-hmm. And and then <clears throat> pretend nothing happened. Like actually convince myself to just forget. That way it doesn't affect my, like I don't keep thinking about or dwelling on like how it went. Um, mm-hmm. But if I make the conscious choice to do it myself and put myself in like a stupid position or vulnerable way, then like later I just find out that like three people feel like they're my friend. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I've already been vulnerable and that mm-hmm. was all that they needed to feel comfortable enough to come up and, and just act like we've known each other already. Yeah. Um, that, that always worked for me because everyone's fucking sitting there with just like shelves of anxiety on their shoulders and like, we're like, it's like, can I just, do I need to get out here and just like be an idiot first so everyone can fucking breathe? And yeah. it, it really works. It's, uh, it's something that, I mean, even with like, even with really awkward stuff, like, like if I don't fucking understand something about like current gender philosophy, I'm going to mention it on Twitter and I'm going to let people tear me to shreds. And, mm-hmm. and usually like nine times out of 10, that ends up in a really meaningful conversation where I learned something and someone else, their assumptions about me end up getting broken down and we see each other as humans. And we may never talk again after that. But there's this moment where we're both like assumptions are corrected and a connection is really made. Um, and that's all just because like, if you can maintain a good attitude through your fuck up, it always just leads to more opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's when you fuck up and then you turn into a shit inside and you, you spoil it all and you're refusing to learn and like look for the lessons coming in. Like that, then you're just like trying to cover your mistake and you don't see any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you you eventually turn into a shriveled, gray, white-haired, tiny person with with a stack of random. I was going to say, and then stacks. we can relate back to the labyrinth with the, <laughs> the the auntie or grandma or whatever carrying around her entire precious. Um, was that the one with the bird thing on? No, 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 it's, no. It's, it's it's the it's right outside the Goblin City where there's like the junkyard. And it's the, so I, you're in the ballroom and she shatters the 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 glass right yes, yeah. not in the the crystal oh, yeah. anymore. and she falls into the junk and i i was so i was i had a moment when i saw that this time because i'm like you guys know so my grandmother died recently and um my last grandparent right so we're cleaning out her house and boy did she like collecting stuff mm-hmm. um and so some of the the far far sheds that she hadn't been able to keep up with for like 10 years it she had had them nicely decorated and stuff on shelves and stuff labeled and like the roof leaked and everything's caved in and it looked just like the junk heap and i'm like oh my Aww. god so it was like this moment of like oh sadness hmm. but um that is one of my favorites where it's like, you know, they're trying to pile her up with the junk so she can't move. Yeah. You know, she has to come to that moment where she's like, it's all junk. Like none of this matters. None of these physical things. Like what, if we all like your physical things, I, you can see all my junk. I've had that, I've had that when moment. it's time to move, can you like take the three things that matter and go? So. I've, uh, I've had that exact moment every time I've ever taken mushrooms. Oh, it's like at some point I just look around and I'm like, (laughs) it's all junk. It's all just going to (laughs) rot. Who cares? Well, it's all going to rot. And so is your body. It's like, yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's it's funny because it's like she breaks the Uber fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like she comes down to earth relatively. And then she has to break that. Yeah. Right. It's like the it's like it swings from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And she, she has to like. Yeah, I don't, it's 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 a really cool. Dichotomy well, you're, you're getting through all the things that have trapped her, right? It's like yeah. mm-hmm. when you pan through her room at like the seven minute mark or whatever. It's like you've watched the entire movie now, mm-hmm. but you don't understand it yet. So it's like she's trapped in the puzzle game, and then she's trapped in the you know the crystal ball music box that probably came from her mother, you know. And she's like this beautiful dancer with this this handsome lead that's opposite her, and like. And then she's like back in her room and it's like, she needs to see that that's crap too. You know, it, it's, it's important on one level, but it's not the most important thing. Right? God, it's just crazy how uh, seeing it and having, having it so ingrained in me when I was a kid makes me miss so much of this stuff and how meaningful it is. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, you're saying all this and it's like, I, I'm sure I understood this at one time, like in an, or, or on an instinctual level, but I'm just like, yeah, that's, it's so obvious, but I never thought of it as that. Cause when I'm a kid, I just take it at face value. It's just this story. It doesn't actually mean anything beyond the experience to me um, when I'm a kid, especially. Well, what? it's, it's, oh, sorry. No go. Oh, uh, sometimes that's just right at the tip of your tongue. It's just that you don't ever, like for me, like I don't ever put it to words it's like you yeah. feel it and you it's sort of understood but not really expressed like logically constructed um so so it was probably there the whole time right because like it's it's hard not to have when this stuff washes over you it's you're taking it in one way or the other it's um, it's more like that pure direct transmission sort of understanding yeah well i tend to think of it as like um planting seeds that will grow and help you but like you have to be led back to the garden where they were planted yeah so it's like they're there and you know if if well if the seeds were chosen well which you know labyrinth is a good example of um that it's like you know you've you've imprinted like tricksy fairies and you've imprinted like growing up and a higher purpose and being kind and like it's all junk um mm. and it's all there for you but then, you know, you need to be like pulled back there by conversation or by events or something, or you, you just don't see it clearly. I that, think that was literally like the, the, that whole house illusion stuff with the old ladies. It's straight up spirit work time. It's like the healing um, medicine journey where you're reliving the moments and shattering them and re, re, retaking your. It reminds me of that um, Kai Armand thing that you had us listen to where he, his like great, 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 et cetera, granny shows up and she's carrying like the pots and pans and she's banging around and he's like, going to send you to the spa. Yeah. And I'm like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, that lady needs to go to the spa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, you know, your your lineage that's just cluttered. Which is basically, you know, in spirited way, that's the spa. (laughs) It, it's it's also um, the whole movie is like her uh, coming into like proper relationship with the imaginal. Like she's no longer subsumed by it by the yeah. end, but she can call on it when she needs it. Like she mm-hmm. doesn't, uh, but it doesn't overwhelm and like take over everything. 
that like and and i think there's like a oh it's funny like when you when you first really have that moment with the spiritual or the spiritual realm or the imaginal whatever you want to call it it is overwhelming it will subsume you Mm -hmm. and it like really fucks you up for a little while until you can sort of like navigate and untangle it and then it's like oh from here on out we're we're okay like i Mm -hmm. I, I, we've come we've actually come into relation with each other versus like getting swallowed and subsumed um uh yeah and i don't think i i i mean definitely when i was younger i was like by the end of the movie i was like what the fuck you chose going back (laughs) stay in the goddamn goblin labyrinth that shit was awesome right (laughs) you could be queen (laughs) um (laughs) yeah no i i understood it because like i said i had the younger brother so it's like i would have done whatever to get my younger brother back because i did like my younger brother um and there's only two of us so it was it was definitely like that was not weird to me mm-hmm. but um there is a certain amount of like yeah you left the magical life and now you're back in reality and bleh. Yeah. um but that's that's not how it works but that is definitely yeah, no. feeling you get when you you first end up back there you're like really yeah i was so sad when i was a kid every time i got to the end i'm just like mm, yeah here we are again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in a 80s house. Yeah, it's funny. The poor sad Bowie face at the end where he's so disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But 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 it's it is there. That's the thing is like like I think you realize that it's still there. It's Mm -hmm. it doesn't go. It hasn't gone away entirely. It's just that she now has a better more controlled relationship with it i probably still would have been like i'd rather have a goblin as a brother so um, yeah (laughs) well i I thought like well if you stay there you can take care of your brother he's gonna be there too (laughs) what's the fucking problem just yeah bring your your parents no uh this is this is something i want uh what is your favorite goblin hmm I really like the dopey one at the beginning who's like, did she say the words? What? Yes. It's like, shh. <laughs> that that beginning, my, yep. oh, the beginning is so good. Like the way that the, the pace just picks up from right there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't waste any fucking time. Like I was so no. excited when it started this time because I had all the same feelings as when I was a kid. Um, when I when we got to the the, the infamous song scene, like I was literally crying with joy Oh, this time. Like I was like crying. I was just like smiling and tears were pouring down my face. I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> but it's like, I, I realized like I, I had to think about it for a few minutes. I'm like, this is actually, I think my perfect world. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, all I wanted, like for, for maybe two years when I was very, very small, like I couldn't talk very much, but I was like painting watercolors mm-hmm. a lot there my mom still has like probably 50 paintings that I made that are oh. all they're all brown and black and gray and I called oh. them I called them storms okay and I only painted storms ever uh until I started sketching and like I forgot where I was going with that now it's okay that, that you're the reincarnation of William Turner the painter <laughs> 
but darker. Oh, but yeah, no, but like so a bunch of goblins that are are not entirely hateful, but are are creepy looking in a cave. And they're all dancing around singing one of the best songs I've ever heard. Like it was just like, yeah, this is when I was a kid. I think that th- I think that this was my heaven. Mm-hmm. Was this scene where everyone's dancing and it's all beautiful and and choreographed and it just feels like pure joy. Like that's I, I think it's absolutely like pure joy, just that scene. It doesn't matter what it's about, it's just the way that the music and the visuals and everything kind of come together. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much of that's because of the age I saw that and if just accessing that or if that scene is actually that magical. Um, I think it's that magical. I yeah. thought it was great. I wanted to ask you guys, since we're talking about the, the songs, um, what do you guys think about the song he sings when they're in the Escher room where the, the last line is, I can't live within you? If we're talking about that as the imaginal world. Um, see, that's one thing I didn't, I didn't hear, I couldn't make out most of the lyrics, like, in, but I was thinking it would be really interesting to look at these in relation to the movie, because I, I feel like Bowie is probably intentionally making things deeper and weirder with them. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, but I think they knew he was doing that, too, so, like, that wasn't, he wasn't yeah. sneaking it in, right? It was definitely yeah. part of the whole. Yeah. Let me but look at the that's really interesting if uh, if that was the last line because that's okay yeah if I'm you don't come them. into relation with you if you don't come into relation with the imaginal then like it comes into relation to you <laughs> and it isn't fun okay so it goes how you turn my world you precious thing you starve and near exhaust me everything I've done I've done for you I move the stars for no one you've run so long you've run so far your eyes can be so cruel, just cause, just as I can be so cruel. Oh, I do believe in you. Yes, I do. Live without your sunlight. Love without your heartbeat. I can't live within you. <laughs> I mean, so it's like a guise of a love song, but it's also not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a mythical being that's like, let me exist in your life before I consume you from the inside. Yeah. What's, and it's the funny. Heart, what's the heartbeat line again? Um, love without your heartbeat. So if he's getting expelled from yeah. her. Yeah, it's it's like her pulse is his pulse at the same time. Yeah. Well, they're definitely yeah. like he's he's inside her being and it's like. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I do love that because they they work that in. Who knows what came first? I'm I'm sure it's out there somewhere. But the the um, screenplay or the song. But you know, at at the end where he's half owl again, which I love the costume on that. Yeah. Um, it's like you can see he's he's diminishing in stature almost, um, or he's becoming airy or hollow or something. It's it's very cool. Anyway, and he says, you know. I'm, I'm exhausted from living up to your expectations of me. <laughs> like, there's a certain amount of like, you're making me do this shit. <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm playing this role for you. Um, but then, of course, the the deal of like, I played this role for you, so you should do this for me is like, no, that's mm-hmm. not good. So, 
Yeah, I wonder if she had, I bet she went on to have many, uh, some healthy, healthy relationships after that. Well, it's like if, <laughs> if you come back into a world that like you can relate to again, you could be this like really amazing person, right? She could be a fantastic artist or, you know, maybe a playwright. She was obviously interested in that. Um, you know, you can twist that into something that like makes your life great. Or you can end up like um, the next movie we suggested you watch afterwards, which is <laughs> a drug addict. Um, what, you know, it's funny because there's, there's also an aspect of this where, right, so like in the beginning, you're seeing photos of her mother with David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's also this exorcism, exorcism of her being probably obsessed with the guy that took her mother away. Or yeah, I was like, I wonder, I wonder which parent split first. Right? Yeah, um, but it's it's definitely like she's stuck with dad and the new baby, and she likes dad, right? You don't get any of that antagonism with dad, but it's like she wants to be with her mother or actually be her mother. Yeah, you know, because all of the pictures are her and her mom, and her and her mom, and her mom and her mom's on screen or off screen boyfriend. It's not clear. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, my mom has the best life. Yeah. It's like, now you got to live your own life though. God, that's so like ridiculously embedded, you know, just to have Mm -hmm. that little, just a little picture to let you know, it reframes the whole thing Mm -hmm. to be like, like it's, 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 I didn't catch it. So it's supposed to be David Bowie, like as David Bowie. It, well, I don't know if it's as David Bowie, but it's definitely, I definitely believe there's it's not, it's not the Goblin King, right? It's not no. the Goblin King. No. no. So it's, it's some famous person or some, yeah, it's some performer. Like, right. yeah. That's amazing. Cause that's, I mean, it may as well just be David Bowie. It might. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't say his name in there, but it's like, it it's could like be. Yeah. The first kiss on stage or something is the, the um, title under the picture of huh. him and mom. And I don't know, the costumes looked a little bit like they might have been ballet. I love the idea that her mom was a huge Bowie fan. So she's just transferring all of her stuff to the only example she has. It's like, yeah. it's, it's actually just David Bowie. Yeah, right. It's the Bowie inception. Yeah. I actually felt like weird when she when she looked at Bowie in the eyes and was like, you have no power over me. I was like, all your records are like gonna just disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Send you back to where you came from. Yeah, that's funny. But you also get that, um, what is it? In the ballroom scene where she's like clearly over her head, like there's not obvious debauchery going on in the background, but you can tell that like in the real version of this, if it weren't PG-13 or whatever, it's like there'd be like, drink and drugs and sex happening all in the background um, <laughs> it's just hinted at here right it's, but it's, it's eyes wide shot i mean it was just oh yeah 100 yeah, with the lights on that was the only yeah <laughs> but you know it's like the choreography in that is so good and that's um dr crusher did the choreography for that oh what? no shit yeah no um, way <laughs> she, she was a dance choreographer before she was dr crusher oh anyway, my god um, so, well, yeah. she's the dancing doctor in the in right. That's the thing that like there you the, go. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, the the way they have like the mirrors and the you know everything's like 
it's there, it's not, it's warped. It's like, and my favorite is when he's, when Bowie Jareth is walking down the stairs and somebody clearly says something a little bit scandalous to him in the ear. And he's like, you know, he raises his eyebrows and looks sideways as he's like going towards his prey. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a moment right there. That's <laughs> uh, so, that's so crazy. The, it, this movie's filled with just random weird. Sh- the guy that plays Ludo, uh, uh-huh. Ron Mook, is this super is like now this really famous like hyper realist sculptor oh really yeah like uh you've probably you've probably seen there's like a there's like a sculpture there's a famous sculpture that's it's it's a crouching boy that's like 20 feet tall and it's like super realistic look it up ron ron mook it's uh r-o-n-m-u god how do you spell it e-c-k i think yep oh wow yeah they're crazy his sculptures are insane, but he, but he started as a creature shop guy mm-hmm. and played Ludo it was one of the actors that played Ludo. I think he did the voice, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but that, yeah, that's like, for whatever reason, like this movie just sheds really strange things into oh, our yeah. reality over. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the hundred giant skulls. Wow. Oh, that must be a new one. Wow. He has this really famous one that's uh, it's it's just called Dead Dad, and it's a portrait of his father, like full nude, but it's like uh, eighteen inches, so it's like this big, and it's it's uh-huh. as real as those giant sculptures. It's like super hyper real, oh. and it's on the floor, and you step over it. It's the it's the craziest. Whoa. Yeah, his shit is awesome. Um, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's worth looking up. That's bonkers. But you know, on the good side of bonkers. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, did we cover all the movie? We probably didn't. There's like you know endless, endless to this movie. Yeah, I don't want to take all your time either. So whenever I don't oh. know how much you got. Yeah. I, until my kids come home, I've got. Oh, right. so I'm good. Cool. Although you know you will have to cut because your listeners are going to be like, what. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. no, you, you fuck them. They're not. That's our policy. It's yeah. just we just do whatever we want, and if we still have listeners, that's just that's just the grace of God. You they, have a you have a stop button. Like <laughs> if, you, if you've had enough of this conversation, fine. I love it. Yeah, I do need to go eat sometime soon. But what what if we? Start I, like, I have I have work. There? I have to actually do. do. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Reverend looks like he lost his light, so you know it's getting dark there. I was thinking <laughs> of glitter all over me. Oh <laughs> I wasn't gonna mention it, but there's yeah, there's a piece on your on your cheek. Uh it's been flashing, and I'm like, this is too weird. Yeah, it's like I wore my sparkly shirt, but like this is printed on, it shouldn't be coming off as glitter. And I'm like, I'm freaking covered in actual glitter. It's still happen? from that time you mentioned. It yeah. probably is that stupid ball I went to. Yeah. I hesitate to say how long ago it was, like 25 years. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's probably in your rafters, the glitter. It's hiding out. It just yeah. pops up occasionally. It's just <laughs> like, I hear, like I hear labyrinth mentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the stuffed animals from your childhood, like, pop out from a light socket and just throw some glitter in your face <laughs> well i have to say my parents especially my father is like weirdly into 
like stuffed animals. So he has all of mine because they all have personalities to him. Huh. Remember atheist? Atheist. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, this, why are you so animus and yet not? I don't know. Anyway, because, because it takes an active effort not to be. I, you know, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Kids are naturally animus. So, oh, 100%. But it's like, I don't know. Uh, the, my parents' psychology is a whole nother. No one wants to listen to that anyway. Um, <laughs> it's it's a labyrinth. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's it's in the oubliettes at this point, guys. Can't even tell. The cleaners will have to come through. Um, which again, that looked like a Doctor Who thing. If anyone ever saw Terminus. Um, <laughs> oh, I, that was another one that that creeped me out as a kid. Was that? Yeah. Was that? But what's what's funny is that it has this. It's so dangerous from the front, but once it yes. passes, it's this goofy ass like giant penny farthing bike that they're pedaling on. <laughs> yeah. I, love that. I mean, I used to love David Lynch movies for the same thing because you would be scared shitless, and then it'd be like a cut to the goofiest, stupid like practicing the trombone. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I, I totally appreciate that humor. Um, yeah. Well, it almost yeah. makes it more creepy because you just oh, like, yeah. oh, we're shrugging yeah. it off now? Like the absurdity of horror. I yeah. mean, when you look at the um, the Doctor Who version, it's um, that one's much more body horror. Like they've taken apart a person and turned it into a machine. Um, mm. But anyway, yeah. You know what I would like to get from, I think you might be the right person to ask for a best of classic Doctor Who list of episodes. I have watched an awful lot of them many, many times. Um, Because I don't want to waste my time with, you know, I know there's a lot of in-between ones, but I know there's also some really good writing in there. And I don't know how to like find that on my own. Yeah. Well, it's, you'd have to give me a list of stuff you're actually interested in because it, it wanders all over the place. And the way the old episodes were filmed, they were definitely padded out because it was like the 20 minutes in a cliffhanger. Right. So there's just a little bit of like, this one's dull, but yeah. it's also good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can definitely, you know, run through them for you. Um, that sounds like good winter time watching. Yes. And the other thing Kurt and I were talking about earlier is, um, I have been in the past a huge Zelazny fan. Like I, I tried really hard to read everything he ever wrote. Um, and while some of his stuff has not aged well, because it was a white dude writing about white dude stuff. Um, like it is also, that was my introduction to like proper actual magic. Like mm-hmm. he name checks the Kabbalah and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. So it, that would be a thing too. Yeah. Um and I've always meant to read like the Amber Chronicles or whatever. Yeah. I mean they're they're his most famous and arguably not his best, but they're the ones that people will have read if they've read anything. Is so it, I have a what was the one? Is it Zelazny that did something like the Brass City or something like that? I don't know. There's oh no, fr- that's somebody else. Um City of Brass. I don't know if it's City of Brass. I remember it was it was my same friend that was like he had all the Gene Wolfe books. Have you ever tried reading Gene Wolfe? I have not. Okay, like 
we're, I, I need, I need a, I need a Sherpa for, for those books. Cause like I, I, they're impenetrable to me. Like I, I remember I, I quit like halfway through like the second one. Cause I was like, I don't, what the hell is happening in this? I have no idea. My, and my then, and it, and it's, for that is like the Dune level, if they're worse than Dune. No. Oh, no, far, far more obtuse. And, yeah. and like, it, it's definitely what it's one of those books that like, there's like, fucking whole websites about and oh, like yeah. oh my, yeah we we have a gene wolf ring the shadow of the torturer ring like that <laughs> still exists because we're that obsessive of nerds yeah um uh well that exists but, for uh, the last new books too but okay well, well so uh i remember i had a friend that like he he read tons of fantasy and he pulled out this one book and he's like this is one of the best ones that no one's ever heard of mm. and i i wasn't sure if it was zelazny or not but it was something like, it was like the Brass City or the Pastel City or something. I, I'll, I'll have to try to track that thing down. That actually sounds like, um, it was a big book though, right? I don't remember how big it was. Because I was going to say there's a, a, a Calvino book that's something about a city. And it's really good, but it's not. His books do not live in a recognizable reality. And yet you've always been there type of thing yeah uh, italio calvino you're talking about yeah yeah uh i might have read that one it's that city of or castle of cross destinies well he wrote that but he's he's written a bunch of them and one of them is like city of something and it, there, it, it, there, it's i think it's Kublacan a, and yeah it's like super famous it's marco polo describing mm-hmm. all these different cities to and it's yeah. actually some people are like it's actually just venice he's just describing venice a hundred thousand different ways well, that's fine. Um, why is that um, a problem <laughs> i know it isn't i, I feel like that's something a french person would say it's just a very <laughs> we love our french listeners however <laughs> Oh, that book is nothing. It's just a Venice over and over and over. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> There's not a city worth explaining. <laughs> Paris. Ah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Actually, if you if you've ever been to Venice, I could I could see it. Venice is a city that feels like it's pulled out of a dream and thrown onto the earth. It's, well, it's definitely it's we talk about this sometimes with places that are dense and mm-hmm. Venice is like full on that. And it's, you can tell it's, it, it's had people who um, know the craft of making things even more dense, shall we say. It's not just like an accumulation of stuff that's happened here. It's like, now people worked at this. It has, you it, know, fingerprints on it. And it, you know, it's also funny because it's, it's preposterous where it's, where it's located makes no sense. But then I I slowly have discovered like that's the story of so many cities oh, yeah. built in swamps and like bay like places that no city should be built they build them like I, I, apparently Mexico City is that way like it's mm-hmm. built uh, and and actually uh, God what was the other there's another big one that I'm blanking on now but similar thing it's like built in the middle of a swamp like what? I mean New Orleans is like below sea level so probably DC is famously a swamp like literally no yeah that's right that's yeah. right you know we lived in in the beltway for a few years and it you know you're like oh look at that tidal flow like it it's mm-hmm. you know an estuary swampy place and it it's weird that it's there and it's like yeah. that that had some People really wanted it to be there. 
Say. Yeah. So there was effort put forth for a reason. But I think of like out in the, the little uh, keys and islands off of Florida coast where I grew up is like, there'll be a stretch of road and a house on either side and then just water. Mm. It's like their front yard is sand on either yeah. side of the road. Yeah. You're just on this little stretch that if the sea level rose one foot, it's it, done. it wouldn't be a road. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've There's never so much of that, that. I mean, and around here too, cause I'm in like Lake country, so to speak. It's like, you look at land like this and you're like, people were meant to live here, but they weren't meant to like, build permanent structures do you know what i mean like you're you're supposed to move with the seasons and Mm. like breathe with the land kind of and so it's like it's beautiful but like it's not it's not the same place for all time kind of i don't know it's it's just a weird way of like sitting with the land and being like oh yeah you like having people here in the summer but not the winter yeah yeah and it's uh, it's funny because like Las Vegas is like the inverse of that. Yeah. Like it's all it's a city that like why did other than I guess legality reason like why did you put this here? This makes no sense whatsoever. Probably some kind of ley line portal activation underground <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, I mean Las Vegas was conjured for a specific set reason. of reasons, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so it's basically humans trying to be fairies kind of you know it, it definitely is is its own reality that's for sure as you walk into casinos and i've never been to las vegas but like i've been to atlantic city i've lived in new jersey for a while and it's like you walk into a casino and they're like deliberately unanchoring you from oh time. yeah yeah and it's uh, really I, interesting that is a yeah. very very cool point that that's just, my mind's still exploding from the like that's fairy shit that's humans mimicking Come in yeah. here. Let me trick you. Let me take your money, and then you will you'll feel confused, and you'll be on the street. Like it, it's it's all like Las Vegas. I actually, I thought I would hate it. I actually loved it, and I wandering around because, and I, I, like wandering around those casinos, I was like, this is the most American place <laughs> in existence. <laughs> it is just a giant fucking mall built somewhere that makes no sense <laughs> there's just a giant money sink that's just all about sucking more money into it this is this i'm and i just i was like i love the stupidity of this <laughs> it's so dumb i feel like if you go into places like that fully aware of what's happening like it's it's a really good experience like you're like oh i'm watching my perceptions be warped that's interesting you know? yeah um i I grew up um, outside of LA and we used to take field trips, weirdly enough, to like the studios where you'd see like, you know, perfectly normal rooms, three walls, and then nothing, cameras, you know, studios. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely like, you know, this is where we fake things for a living. Um, And, you know, like, I remember being fairly young and like going to the Wheel of Fortune you know, the wheel and you got to spin the wheel and I got a splinter because it was cheap ass cardboard and plywood. because they make it look beautiful on TV, right? Yeah. Not shit. It's, it's amazing. Like, um, I remember, I don't know if you've ever been to one of the planet Hollywoods. 
yeah but they'll have um they'll have like actual props and i remember seeing like a prop from alien and i'm i was looking at it i'm like this looks like shit yeah but like alien is like the the fucking design of aliens insane like everything on screen and i'm like oh my god lighting yeah and atmos does so much to make this cheap crap look like tangible and like significant which is the yeah at least it used to and now we have, yeah it's yeah. like nothing's real anymore 10 billion k so it either has to be actually made or cgi and they, so it's always going to be cgi yeah well it's have... funny how that works it's like cgi i don't automatically hate it but i'm like use it for what it's good for um but if you want like solid interaction it's like have a thing there you know that's yeah. what poetry is good for even you know not great puppets read better than like a completely pixelated monster or whatever you know it's like yeah. well you also you also the actors have something to work with yeah i think so much now is like they it's just them pretending to nothing yeah it's like act to the orange ball on a stick and it's yeah. like and their their emotions aren't as into it like they they might be that's a thing that people don't realize is real right that a performance uh, that looks identical, like on two different screens, but one of them person has actual actors, so they're emotionally engaged. Because um, you can't not be emotionally engaged, right? Mm-hmm. If you're actually having dialogue. But if you're talking to a fucking blue dot and imagining dialogue, then you don't have the same kind of energy behind it. And that actually does translate to the audience, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. There's a lot of um, flatness mm. and it's like, you know, they, they do try and that they have the, who does the voice actor or they have somebody else speaking the lines that they take out. So it's like, it's not all one or all the other, but it's definitely like, you know, when Luke was talking to Yoda, Yoda was a real thing there responding to him in real time. It, yeah. You know, and now Yoda is a CGI thing <laughs> it's like well oh well, not, by, not baby by, yoda not baby yoda because Werner herzog said make puppy puppet, cowards make a puppet you cowards <laughs> also, by the way i, I meant to bring this up earlier when we were talking about um lost luggage it's like did you see the Werner herzog film where they go in the caves in the the old caves and he looks at the art yeah my favorite part of that is when he's interviewing somebody and the guy says i started having dreams about the bulls in the cave and Werner Herzog is like, what do you think that means? And he's like, I don't know, but I had to stop going down. Like it was, it was mm. breaking back in. And mm. you know, he didn't say that, but you you could feel that like it was breaking back into my my reality from the imaginal. And I I couldn't, I didn't have a way to deal with it. Yeah. And so I was like, yep, that's opening Hoggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> breaking back in. Yeah. Oh, I was I was gonna say this too. Another stupid bit of trivia, which I had no idea about. Apparently, Yoda is in Labyrinth. Oh, is he really? What? Yeah, he's. Yeah, they. They. It, you wouldn't be able to tell. It, like, there's a YouTube video. It's. It's like right when they enter the Goblin City, he's like in a window. It's almost <laughs> like he's silhouetted. Like yeah, you can, yeah. You would, unless I. It must have been something that came out like that took, because I was. I'm like I have no idea how anyone would tell that that's Yoda, but. But yeah, apparently he's like in one of the second floor windows and shuts it. Like oh, that's... <laughs> he's like, it's loud out there. I'm trying to meditate. <laughs> yeah, 
what is going on out there? <sighs> I love the idea that somehow Yoda found himself in the Goblin City because that's maybe the Goblin City was a real place on a planet in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away a long, long time ago. See, they're sister movies, like they go together. Yeah. But yeah, no, it makes sense to me that they needed like puppet extras. So yeah. they're like, yeah. everything we have is going in this set. In this movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. That, I also that's... like the idea that like some some independent movie is gonna be made in Texas sometime and they're gonna have like like you're gonna see Hoggle in the or not Hoggle, uh, fucking Dobby in the background, <laughs> like as an extra. <laughs> that would be awesome. Just have him walk by. It's like the old yeah. um Alfred Hitchcock, uh, where he would always be in his movies, but yeah. never important. It's like we're gonna start seeing that with like the puppets. Yeah, so, there's that- a there's a funny one like that with Blade Runner and Empire Strikes. No, and it's just Star Wars in general. One of the buildings has the Millennium Falcon like glued to it. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like in the background, like attached, like in a different orientation. But yeah, I believe like, I've noticed that before. Because I remember, like, it was on TV one time, and I was just like, did I just, no, I imagined that, didn't I? And I, like, sat there for a while thinking about it and just, like, couldn't rewind because it was just on TV. I was like, I never thought about it again. Well, well, it's funny, too, because it's, like, now it's, like, it's this, like, tri- like trivia yeah, it's uh, cool little Easter egg, but probably at the time they were like, we need to fill out this, uh, how much time do we have? Uh, uh, oh, you still got all that Star Wars shit? Just glue it on and then we'll <laughs> spray paint it black. And like, yeah, we just really, Ridley Scott just really is a fucking nightmare, dude. So we just got to get these buildings done. One of my well, favorite, I, like... Uh, I think half the reason that Blade Runner is so dark is so you couldn't see, like, the half-assed sets. Because <laughs> if there's anything we know about, like, the future that we're in now, it's it's lit constantly there's yeah. lights everywhere for the security cameras right everything is just blasting bright um and yeah blade runner is like oh it's so dark it's like <laughs> yeah if they'd have made a realistic future it would not be one of my favorite movies of all time no it's it's because it's beautiful yeah yeah but and it's and it's it also does an opposite thing where it like things feel very vacant mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like empty buildings and shit and like that's atypical, I think, for for a lot of future stuff. Um, well, I think it's it's the future we're in, though, right? Because we were just talking about how like rents are skyrocketing, and yet things are vacant because vacant, people yeah. live there. And you know, the city scenes in Blade Runner were full of people because that's where everyone lives on the street. Yeah, because they can't afford like. Yeah. But once you, yeah, and then but once you're inside of a building, it's like one person will own an entire yeah. Or oh, you know. They've taken it over. Maybe they uh-huh. only have an apartment, but like yeah. the rest of it's abandoned and broken. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think that the uh, the wherever Corbin Dallas lives in Fifth Element is just the same reality as Blade Runner. Yeah, it's like, like well, you saw L.A. and now you're seeing in yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah, it's the <clears> same <throat> idea. It's it maybe maybe a hundred or two hundred years later or something, you know. Possibly, who knows? Whatever. Fifty years, forty years. Right, but it's the same place to me. Yeah, I think that's right too. I was watching like the was it the Honest Trailers or whatever version of Fifth Element where they're like, you know, the future by Frenchmen, <laughs> crazy fashion and everyone's smoking and you know, Chris Tucker's best role ever. 
Oh my God. He's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's his only role. Everything else is detritus. I, you know what? I, I, this is one of my guilty pleasures. I will watch and love almost anything with Jackie Chan in it, including Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2. Like I fucking adore Jackie Chan. But I wanted to say earlier, one of my favorite trolls of all time is, uh, and it's just this little thing that I think actually was an accidental hyper sigil was Mm. that J.J. Abrams, when he made Star Trek, put R2-D2 in it Mm -hmm. because Star Wars and Star Trek people hate each other so much. And he was just like, fuck everyone and put a little tiny R2-D2 floating in the sky. But then... And he said later, like, well, I really don't like Star Trek. I tried to make it more like Star Wars. And and he did a good job of successfully doing that, which I fucking love Star Trek. So I kind of hate that. But like, I think it's brilliant because then he, like, he melded those two together. He sewed them together mythically in a way that was trolling. But then he got to make Star Wars after that. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I doubt that was on purpose, but he made that happen. Sometimes you do stuff like that because it's like it's not consciously on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like the desire is there. It's just not you wouldn't be able to, you know, you're just in, in flow enough to like get the message and go for it. Yeah. But I mean, that's why I was joking about, you know, Labyrinth is both Star Wars and Star Trek because it's got, you know, ties to both. And it's like. I don't know. I mean, obviously people like one or the other, but like, I'm like both like they, they are opposite ends of kind of the same thing. It's like, well, this is like the super sciencey one where we're going out and colonizing, especially the original, which was very yeah. heavily colonizing. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was also the one with like the crazy ass visuals. It's like, can you put more colors on that set than do it? Oh, um, OG Star Trek is beautiful. So yeah. amazing to watch. Yeah. Um, and the, the 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 like soap opera multicolor lighting that they light everyone with is so great. Like they'll just have like these purple outlines and stuff, and like it's, uh, it's unbelievable yeah, how beautiful that is. It's like people are beautiful in a way that is not human. It's really yeah. interesting, and they're even humans, you know, like the crew that are mostly human. Um, but yeah, just some of their choices are. I mean, and it's just the joy of having color TV, right? Because, like, if you watch the old Avengers when they finally get color TV and you're like, holy shit, like, nothing yeah. in that apartment is not colored. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're going to get you guys set up real good right before acid comes out. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, and you, you're looking at some of the old stuff and you're like, you coordinated that wallpaper to that guy's tie. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> that level of, like, we have color. Um, but, yeah, this was I've wandered way off topic, but yes, Labyrinth bridges Star Wars and Star Trek in an interesting way. But I'm like, they they always should have been together for me. It's like, you know, the Star Trek crew should have landed on a Star Wars planet and, you know, kind of mm. had to figure that shit out. Because it's like, there's this mystical kind of um, order, kind of biker gang of Jedis who are like, you know, moving stuff with their mind. And the the original... And actually, all all the Star Treks have had no problem with that kind of thing, right? But it's like, that's just like the exotic planet we landed on. Yeah. You know, it's not integrated into stuff very well. Except yeah, when Q shows up and fucks everyone up. But. <laughs> it's, 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 a, 
that that original show is so its design choices are so bold oh yeah and everything after it feels so tame oh yeah it, it went compared, real quick yeah like it's but i but i love that because like that's actually design reality like there's mm-hmm. shit from the 60s like does not it looks like it's from the 60s so i could see but 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 what's disappointing is that they've never they've never had those cross that much yeah there's there's like one episode of the next generation where they which is with uh scotty where they go on the holodeck the holodeck and they recreate the original bridge Mm. and it's it's like but you never see that ref that design aesthetic referenced anywhere else in that show yeah yeah and it's so disappointing to me because i love it (laughs) it's so great yeah, I, I fucking, God, I love Next Generation. That's one of the things, like, on the worst day of my life, I would probably put on Star Trek Next Generation to make myself feel better, you know, just to have that, like, comforting feeling of, like, home. And yeah. a, a part of me thinks how cool it would be to watch all those with awesome 70s lighting and <laughs> colors and things. But then again, I wouldn't feel like I was at home in the 90s as a kid in my living room when I watched yeah. them, so... Yeah, it, really, it fit in with the, I don't know, just things got visually less interesting. Because even like, I don't know, I was thinking like the Matrix, it's like it's dark and it's got the code, which is green, but it's like, does it really have any color otherwise? It's mostly got dark. No, it's mostly monochromatic. Everything's gotten much more monochromatic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's there's a, There's like a weird thing where like, monochromatic equals serious uh-huh and it's a i think it's a branding thing mostly yeah psychologically yeah it's definitely like you know make it modern kind of feel but it's like you know i vote we bring color back (laughs) really complicated color schemes i'm like can i have my you know split complementaries with like two or three other things happening close steps I grew up in Florida, and I've always said that hell is beige. Oh, yeah. Because it's, you know, just like, oh, God, the aesthetics of Florida are the worst ever. It's like every house is like maximum 30 years old, Mm. and it's like stucco that's painted bright peach (laughs) or beige and just, yeah just an ocean of parking lots with those kinds of colored cars too man that's funny it's like a long line of hondas mm. i drive a honda <laughs> no, no no i mean literally it's like no no i get know. what you mean because i've been there and it's like the thing i've felt about florida and it's not everywhere but it is a lot of places is it's like in a different context or mixed i would have no trouble with any of this mm. But it's just in this place, looking like this, with this um, relationship to the land, it's like, oh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't think you, of a worse enough metaphor for it. But then you go to like Miami and it's this, there's like parts of it that is just this riot of color. And oh, like, yeah. Like, that's the thing. Some Florida is fantastic. Yeah. Like, not all. But, you know. There's you a lot of crap. Yeah. If you don't live in like the cool part, you're like, okay, the land is awesome. What are, what are we doing with the housing and the strip malls? What's that about? 
So Florida is a strip mall and a parking lot. That's and then there's Miami and Disney. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> Well, I felt that way a little bit about Southern California. It's like it's a strip mall. It's paved. Uh, it's Hollywood and it's like being abducted by aliens in the desert. Like that's your experience. Or like being a beach bum, you know, but that heads into Hollywood a little bit. And then New Jersey was the same thing. I mean, New Jersey is the state that you drive through, right? Mm. And it's, I mean, it's got beautiful stuff. And I lived down with the Jersey devil. Like I lived in weird New Jersey, but you know, you don't see that from the turnpikes and no one knows about it. This is like the pine barrens and stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, my wife who grew up there, she, we went to, what's it? Ansley park. Okay. Is that what it's called? the the crazy boardwalk oh uh, okay yeah i know what yeah, you mean yeah and it's just like it was like such a wonderful degenerate place oh yeah like the old boardwalks and uh, that is like that's thick with history right there right you you got to be okay with um grime i guess i would say yeah and then it had this like really tiny little town next to it called neptune which I thought was hilarious. There's some cute stuff down there. Yeah, I was like, um, I wasn't in, but I was outside of like Egg Harbor, Tom's River, like that kind of stuff. If you look that up on a map, I was close to that. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, I didn't grow up, grow up there, right? I moved there in high school. But um, my friends in high school, some of them were like legit scared of the Jersey Devil, because they'd grown up with it. It was local folklore. So it's like one of the things people would do to prank each other is they'd get like two flashlights for, and, you know, put red foam on them for the red eyes of the Jersey Devil and just like sneak up and like flash it in people's <laughs> That's fun. Just to have like the, the batshit scared response. It was so funny. That's amazing. But yeah, it's weird there. It's, it's almost like a devotional act to the real being. Yeah, I think so. I think they're possessed by the Jersey Devil for just a second. <laughs> yeah, well, there was, there was like the Jersey Devil and there was the uh, the legend of the abandoned Agent Orange plant in New Jersey. Whoa. And we had, you know, there's a lot of military in there. So like weird military shit would come down sometimes and they'd be like, no, you can't go home because we've cordoned off this field. Go away. And you're like, I live there. And they're like, tough. Wow. And then and I'd be getting out like all kinds of like sensitive devices. Like, is it safe to go home? Is this irradiated now? What the fuck? Yeah, it's like it wasn't, it was just, it was weird shit. Like, I I never saw anything that I remember. Who knows, right? But um, <laughs> I was home once and my mom was going to get my brother and she couldn't come home because they had cordoned off stuff. But I was like inside the circle, they had cordoned off. Um, and I wasn't outside. I was like sitting there. I don't know. I was probably not doing homework because I was not the best student, but we'll say I was doing homework. And um, the TV decided to turn itself on. And so I turned it off and it turned itself on again. And I turned it off and it turned itself on again. And I'm like, I'm fucking unplugging this thing. And I'm leaving the room because I can't deal with it if it turns itself back on, <laughs> not plugged into the wall. Like that kind of stuff like, would just happen. And you're like, what are you doing i had yeah. a i had a similar thing happen with like a tv like and during the summers i would just stay up all fucking night and would watch like random spectrum man that was one of the ones 
I remember watching a whole bunch of, but I had incidences where the TV would just randomly cut off. Mm. I would turn it back on and then would do it again. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when it, when when you're home alone and it turns on and starts talking to you and you're like, no, 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 we're not, we're not playing this game. (laughs) (laughs) Happened to one of my friends one time with a record at their house with a broken record player that had been broken for like 10 fucking years. Mm -hmm. And it just, kicked on one day and started playing this record that had already been something she found to be very disturbing and creepy. It was Uh, this this old song um, that she mm -hmm. would play really slow. Uh, Yeah, that that kind of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I think it's it's different (sighs) thinking that it's like the government or some weird experiment than, than something else. But either way, it still gives you that, oh, fuck, the world's big and weird uh, feeling. Yeah, it's like, I don't mind. Like, I worked in a a bookstore that was theoretically haunted, right? And you'd go downstairs and shit would move around and you'd be like, oh, that's weird. Or, you know, I forget the the supposed ghost name, but it would definitely be like, say it's Richard. It's like, Richard, I'm in a hurry. Can you just knock it off? You know? you're walking into it and you're like, okay, there might be some weird stuff. Um, when you're just minding your own business and it comes knocking on your door, you're like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's fine if I know, but it's not fine if I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's different if you're walking in somewhere where a thing already is, than if a thing comes specifically to your door for you. Yeah. That's, that's a lot different. Yeah, and it's it's like you didn't invite it in either. I mean, that's sort of the whole labyrinth thing is it's like she doesn't know what she's doing, but she's inviting them in like the vampires. Mm-hmm. They can't come until she invites them in. But yeah, it's like when you're out in the world and shit happens, you're like, oh, okay, this is haunted or that's that or, you know, but <laughs> when you're just like chilling in your safe space and stuff happens, <sighs> I don't like that. No, because then it's all about you. The only other time I've had something happen where I was like not happy is I was in a uh, I was in Egypt in a hotel room in Cairo and there was definitely a very unhappy lady ghost in that hotel room and I'm like holy shit (laughs) so I remember you mentioned this yeah, yeah I made it through the night but like it was it was not good and I wasn't alone like I had roommates it was a um it was a college art history trip but i'm like nothing has been quite as unpleasant as that experience and i think about that now with the prize stuff i'm like i don't have the skills at all for this but if i were to help anyone she would be top of the list yeah i'm like i could experience her just utter misery and i'm like i would help her first yeah but and if it was that potent, I'm sure she'd be very helpful in exchange. For yeah, I'm like, even if you don't help me at all, I'm like happy to give you merit so you can move on, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't know enough, right? And it's like, I don't really want her in my space if she's not like in a good way. That's, um, I encounter things like that a lot. Like there'll be times where I'm like, maybe the land spirit here or the place spirit here isn't so friendly and I kind of get that feeling mm-hmm. it's like I still want to reach out but I don't want to be direct 
So yeah. like I always just ask St. Cyprian, like, could you see to it that this gets to whoever best serves me, you know, right now mm -hmm. to be connected to? There's something about putting that buffer and having someone go between that um, I've dealt with things I would never have dealt with on my own with relative ease just by like I don't have to call the thing here I can send a thing mm -hmm. that's a good point and I you know he's good for that because he's like he's he works both sides so he just loves doing magic it's uh, it's like I, I, I often think about what like what did this spirit look like 2000 years ago in a different culture or wherever he's from uh, before there was this saint. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, bef I think we probably should get going. I have to go to the store to buy food before they close to make dinner. Ooh, yeah, that's important. <laughs> but um, I mean, if you want to eat, maybe you're fasting. I don't know. <laughs> no, but um I, I mean, when, I was what, I was willing to leave and let you guys keep talking, but no, yeah. we should just we should yeah, wrap it because it's yeah, been a yeah. while. I got. I mean, I it's great to talk to with you guys it. again, and like we haven't hung out in a while, so it just kind of wandered. But well, that's how it was supposed to go, exactly. Yeah, that's so. that's the best kind of conversations, honestly. And it's it's perfect timing because yeah, I've got thirty minutes to go buy dinner. Oh, but I wanted to mention before, if anyone uh, is listening to the very tail end of the episode. Um, I just wanted to mention that I just released two chat books and one for a novena to Cyprian and Justina for the feast days, which uh, beginning day after tomorrow or tomorrow, if you celebrate the other St. Cyprian and uh, a chat book of new prayers to the seven planets based on the ones from the Hygromantea, but updated to be a little bit more witchy and animist. So I'm going to put the links to those in the show notes. If anyone's interested, pick them up there. And um, sorry to throw that plug in the middle of No, no, no. Goodbye, Definitely but... should go by the Reverend's writing. He, he's a very, <laughs> very good writer. I've benefited greatly from his work. So definitely go check that out if it's your thing. And is there well, anything you want to you wanna promote? I'm not a public person, so no. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to be rude by assuming, but I already knew that, so. Yeah, no, it's fine. I would have said something if I were promoting, but no. Yeah. I would like to promote you leaving me alone. <laughs> That's like, I love chatting and I don't mind, but I'm like, I don't, I don't have a public face. <laughs> if so. you enjoyed our talk with Anne, you can find her. You cannot find her. <laughs> yeah. Just listen to this episode again. Right. Maybe I'll be on again. It's yeah. so funny because it's like Reverend was talking about being on Twitter and I'm like, oh my God, I do not have anything to do with any of that like no leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> no this is great we will have you back because it's good for all the people out there to get an example of like what a healthy non-social media human sounds like <laughs> <laughs> well the the truth is is that if as you as all our listeners look around the room they realize that there's a stuffed animal that's <laughs> they're always watching <laughs> Just make sure you're friends with them, okay? That's the important we, thing. We've our our guest has just been one of those stuffed animals. That's just the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an owl. I will go flop away now. That's great. <laughs> gonna go go meet up with Mick Jagger. I heard he turned into a squirrel. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man. All right. Well, thank you so much. And this has been yeah. fantastic to catch up. I've missed, we've missed talking to you. Yeah. 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 Got to do it again. Maybe not recorded, but got to do it again. Yes. Cool. All right. Bye-bye. Well, have, a, have a good night. Middle of the afternoon, whatever.